Hello, I'm Eagle. Eagle Gardens. Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram. And this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 599. I've got a great episode for you tonight. Mr. Astro Charlie, you want to tell us how you're doing and, of course, where they can find you? Hey, good evening, everyone. Cheers. Uh, I'm Astro Charlie. You can find me on Instagram at underscore Astro Charlie underscore, just like my name in the corner. Thanks so much for having me, Eagle, and uh, chat hello. I hope you all are blazed and ready to smoke one down. What are you smoking on, Speaking Eagle? What are you smoke- rolling up? Ah, you beat me. You beat me. I'm smoking a little bit of this OG uh, or OG Mac from uh, Med Grower One. I got as a tester and grew up. I'm also smoking Med Grower One. I. Uh, picked up the sticky runs limited drop at Croptober and I got that and popped it immediately. I don't really have a big nug on me, but uh, yeah, sticky runs, um, smaller buds, super frosty. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. It's very sativa racy high right now. I've had, you know, I've grown out almost all of med grower stuff. And I have never been disappointed by anything I've got from that. Oh, no, definitely not. This thing definitely packs a punch for sure. It's, uh, what is it, runs and the Garlic Punch Male, which is just a great cross either way. Yep. I'm also smoking on some Double Dose from uh, Ross and Jeff, Irie Genetics. Double Dose, or Dosey Dose Cross with the Rise, which is a real nice, creative, euphoric high. Something I smoke on every day. And then I'll usually top that off with Rainbow Cushments by uh, ABC Company. That's another like real creative high that I like. So, uh, yeah. When did, so we used to start this off right where in the beginning. So, where did uh, cannabis, when did and where did cannabis end in your life? So, cannabis. I think started right when I moved to the States when I was uh, like in my mid teens and it just, I think it's how every, a lot of people start, right. You know, smoking in somebody's basement with your friends and getting goofy and not even knowing if you're high the first time, but maybe even pretending you are and then going through that spectrum um, of getting stoned in everyone's basement. Um, So that's how I did it. I was in I wasn't in Michigan at the time, so it all was always in the illegal or traditional market. And um, that's one of the big reasons I moved to Michigan was it's, I always felt like super anxious about it, which I don't associate with the plant. Um, It can get racy, but I don't think people get anxious from the plant. I think that's other stuff that gets affected. And I don't, it was so weird considering it a crime when you're not really doing anything that is hurting anyone. Um, so yeah, that was in Virginia, just outside of DC. And I'm very happy to see that recently it's been legalized. So shout out to all the Virginia home growers and the people growing plants out there now. Everyone come on out of the woods who has been growing. Um, it's great to see that my mom is actually growing her second round this year, which is really cool um outdoors i just got her set up with the seeds shout out to kazoo kush if you're watching um he's hooked me up with 
some outdoor seats last time. Black and or no, what was it? Puffin smiles. I can't know the. I don't remember the exact cross, but it was very mango terpy. And she got one plant out of the whole thing and started the season late, but was happy with it. And uh, I don't think, you know, growing outdoor plants, she wasn't overwhelmed. But this year we got some more because we pushed stuff going. Um, she's got a lot of stuff pop so she can try a different bunch of flavors. So, yeah, shout out to Virginia and everyone out there um, who's growing. That's where I started smoking, Virginia. So we were talking, well, you mentioned yesterday in chat, I believe it was earlier, uh, you're pretty, pretty traveled. So Virginia as a teen, were you born yeah, in the States or did you travel to the States? Yeah, so I was born in the States. My, my, uh, it's super complicated. Um, I am known as a third culture kid which is something that usually people don't ever hear about. It's a, I was raised in countries outside of my host country or outside of my like born nationality country. So I was born in the United States, but I was raised in other countries. And my culture is based off of a multitude of different cultures that I grew up in. Um, I moved to the States when I was like 15 ish. Um, I was born here, but then I left like two months later and we would come back every year. So I'm going to, I guess I'll screen share cause it's, I guess it's a road trip. Um, yeah, here we go. So yeah, my dad is from Michigan and when he got done with college, he decided to join the Peace Corps. Um, so that's what he did. And he traveled overseas, um, basically right away and worked overseas for 40 years and retired later working for USAID, um, the United States for International Development. So I'm not a military person. Um, I'm not like part of the church, like missionary-esque. I'm just my normal people. My dad was just trying to help impoverished countries, developing nations. Um, so I grew up, <laughs> originally I moved into Pakistan and I lived in Pakistan um, for a little bit. Uh, and then, sorry, first I was in Sudan, um, and then I was in Pakistan in Khartoum. I lived in Khartoum, um, and then I lived in Pakistan in Islamabad. Um, it's loading. It's kind of slow right now. Um, yeah, I lived in Islamabad, Pakistan, right up here. And then those were kind of short stints. This is around the Desert Storm, Desert Shield era. So kind of like two-ish, three-ish years, um, one-year section. And then I moved from Sudan to Pakistan to Malawi. You were talking about Malawi gold um, yesterday. You guys were talking about it on the Weed Nerd World. Um, and I say it's South Central, but I guess it's more on the Eastern side. Um, and I grew up in Lolongwe, which is the capital of Malawi. I lived there for six years. It's one of like the main countries I feel I'm associated with, or I, I do feel like I grew up there because I was there from, I don't know, four to 10, something around that, I'd say. I lived there for six years. Um, beautiful country. It's, as you can see, it's pretty temperate. So it's not like super hot. It's perfect year round. Um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful country too. 
started like Malawi and then I moved from Malawi to Bolivia. And I lived in Bolivia for six years in La Paz, which is the highest capital in the world. It's, uh, I wanna say it's like two miles up. I think Colorado is known as the Mile High City. La Paz is two miles up, it's double that. Um, it's the longest airport in the world because the, the air friction isn't there. <laughs> so it takes planes a lot slower to land. Um, and when you get off the plane, they have oxygen tanks because people will faint. Um, it takes about 10 months to acclimate to the environment. Um, and uh, here's a fun one just to lighten it up is there's a big lake called Titicaca, which is, which is the highest navigable lake in the world. Um, so that's pretty cool. And I, I really like Bolivia. I lived there for six years um, till I was like yeah, 10 to 16. And then I moved to Washington, DC, uh, my, or Virginia. DC is like the DMV, the district, Maryland of Virginia, Northern Virginia is just kind of its own little monster of stuff um, compared. And now I'm here in Michigan, which is amazing. And I, I freaking love it here. Yeah, and I'm in the Southwest region. If everyone's around here, uh, hit me up anytime. I'd love to hang out. So that's the, uh, yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's a long trip. And it's kind of complicated, but I figured if I was going to like tell it, I'd tell it all. That's a lot of fucking travel, man, all in your younger years. Oh. So do you feel as, you know, you, you all that travel in your younger years, uh, do you feel you got all out of it, you know, you could have if you would have waited yeah. a little bit longer? I, it's a blessing and a curse. It's kind of how I've always said it. I think moving around, I don't have a, a home per se, like I'm a nomad, um, but I have, with my own eyes, I have a lot of cultural education. Um, things that I've witnessed. I don't have to read in a book per se. And like I've been there, I've seen it, I've experienced it, I've smelled it. Um, I've also been overseas later. My, like my, when I moved here, my parents got divorced and then my dad went back overseas. So I've been back over to see him. Um, he spent a lot of time in Asia, Southeast Asia. Um, so he's remarried to a, a wonderful Cambodian woman. Um, uh, and so I've spent time, I've been to, been to Japan. I've been everywhere except for Australia and, and Antarctica. Just travel-wise, um, I've those are the places I've lived, but I have like been around a lot um, as well. And it's real fortunate, uh, like because of my dad's job and and stuff like that. It was just an opportunity. I don't like flying though. I'm done flying. I don't want to like get on planes. My statistics. I grew up on planes, and to get from Virginia to, because we would come back. I have family in Virginia and I have family in Michigan. And the government, if you're a family and you work in like USA, they'll send you back home once a year. It's called r, &R like rest and recuperation. So they'll send your family back during the summer, usually when school's out and you can go visit your family and then they'll ship you back and they'll pay the air costs. Um, and, but to get to Malawi, it's like four flights um four different planes and it's 30 like it's a it just takes a long time um statistically i don't want to fly anymore i'm just tired of it <laughs> so i'll drive anywhere 
but I really, I don't want to get on a freaking plane anymore. What about I you? I can like, see have, that. I can, have you been overseas? I can honestly see that. No, no, I haven't. Uh, it would be awesome, but not yet. Uh, so pretty well uh, traveled and cultured is the downside of that is possibly, I'm guessing, grew up a little bit too fast. Uh, didn't yeah. necessarily get to enjoy the childhood like you would normally would. Um, there's also the fact that I don't have, I've always been, I've always known that I don't have a stationary home. So it's not like I, that's my best friend that I've known for 20 years. I have, now this is an insane thing is I've had one person, one group of family that I have known since I lived in Malawi. And he, his family, I want to say his dad was, his dad's Dane, like from Denmark and his mother's from Malawi. And they live there. They're not from the government. They just, that was their thing. And I moved, he moved a year before I left Malawi. And then I moved to La Paz, Bolivia. And I was playing on the soccer field and I looked over to the left and he was there at my school. Like this dude that I grew up with in Malawi, Lulongwe, Malawi, out of any place. Shout out Mark Nicholson. I love you, brother. Uh, he's doing really good things. He works for, or he was working for John Hopkins. Um, he works with the brains. He's a really intelligent guy um, and, and really creative as well. He's a writer. Um, so that's super strange. Um, and then he later moved to Baltimore. So it's super crazy. It's small world. But, um, but I don't have like a home base. I don't have friends that I've known forever. It's hard to keep up with people. The other downside is because I was in developing countries or however the proper term to say it is now is I've been evacuated and just, I, I've just seen poverty and crime at, a, at a, an obscene level, an unnecessary level. Um, and that's what you're, I guess you're saying is like growing up too fast. Um, so yeah, but I, I, that's why it's also a blessing and you got to count your blessings and there are good people and bad people in every race and religion and country. Like, but there are amazing people everywhere. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. I'll let you take your rip. <laughs> so do you have a uh, favorite region that uh, stands out as one of the special places you visited? I'd say Malawi and uh, Bolivia. Like those are the two places. Um, they hold different special places, but um, yeah, those are the two. Oh yeah. All right, sweet. Sweet. Back uh, to the cannabis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh no, I was. Uh, we were kind of talking about tattoos earlier. A fun story. I went to Cambodia when I was twenty-one, and I was at the Angkor Wat temples. Just it was the last day we were in this in Siem Reap, which is the city visiting Angkor Wat and I asked the tour guide I was like yeah you know find me a place to get a tattoo and uh, he's like oh I don't know about that so hours and hours later he shows up and hey I found a place you want to go and uh, I said sure why not right <laughs> so we end up in whatever back alley concrete building no windows and I have a huge snake that I got sitting on the concrete floor by like a Buddhist monk um, with a homemade machine and sewing needles. It's not traditional, but it's like prison style. And uh, that was like six and a half hours. Uh, 
super just it's not the greatest tattoo and it's huge and all big black work that's you know busted out kind of but um it was a very cheap large tattoo and a fun story to do you know you got what's like you got a crazy story like that i know you usually have a regular tattoo artist that you go to but do you have the back alley tattoo story uh, no no the, my first tattoo basically was uh, a rundown uh, biker. It was actually in a Harley Davidson dealership, but the guy was like off to the side of the building there, and his his name was Art, work of art, and uh, he was probably the most crude. I mean, he was probably the most stereotypical biker, I guess. You know what I mean? Woman come in and he was just, just vulgar, and, you know, and it, yeah. And which would be that, that one right there. The the Buster Bunny with the Tommy gun would be the first one that's, there. That's not good. <laughs> the first one I got, I got when I was underage and I tried to hide, hide it from my parents. So I'm not going to show it on camera right now. But it was done in the back of a nail salon by a guy named Tin. <laughs> um, I guess you just showed your tattoo. So I'll show that big snake I was talking about. Um, I'll let me put this camera down a little bit just a hair. This is this big snake I'm talking about. Um, it wraps all the way around, tails over here. Um, and it's a seven headed set uh, snake called a Naga, which is uh, the protection of the dead. And it's a good luck charm. Um, yeah. And that, the other thing I noticed when I met you for the first time, so the first time I met Eagle was at Luzerne Bigfoot Lodge, which I want to talk to you about later because I wanted to know what's going down with that. <laughs> but um, the first thing I noticed is you have your feet tattooed, which is something that I also have. I have all my toes done. I don't know if you notice as well. And um, how was that for you? That was not bad be honest with you. That's kind of how uh, I felt too. <laughs> the power of cannabis. Uh, you know, and that's a good good tattoo guy. They were actually done by different people. And then the one guy kind of went back and fixed the other. It had been a little bit of time and it faded a little bit. Um, but a good tattoo artist will carry out a conversation I think with you and kind of keep your mind out of the pain. And, uh, but again, uh, the first one, I, well, both, uh, I both to be honest with you, because my daughter Lexi was with me on the second foot and, uh, I was, uh, visibly faded. <laughs> you could tell from my speech, but, you know, I was slow, but man, to a good uncle RSO, both feet which I believe helps with, you know, that pain time kind of, but I also believe it really speeds up the heel too. Uh, I've never well, tried that. Giving it a jump start. I've never tried uh, like, yeah, RSO or FICO or every, any high kind of concentrate. That's I'd have to try that next time. I want to start on my sleeve soon in the next like two years. I think I'm going to go all flowers, like very vibrant floral, some abstract stuff, but I don't, I'm going to put any meaning behind too much of it. Just pretty things. 
Um, what is the most painful spot you have that I'm interested? Or can you say on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, probably, well, was the sternum. That, but, yeah. Uh, probably yeah. because, well, it's a big piece. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go for it if you uh, want. You don't have to, but yeah, that, that that's, a, there. that's an awesome uh, thing. Like, it was done in classic. two weeks. Wow. Two weeks. Uh, How many sessions? So we do. We went in the first day and laid the black and most a lot of the darks. I went in three days later and we pounded in a lot of the rest of it. And then in on the two weeks, we went in and put in the whites and browns and did his head and then that orange piece right there. But by that third sitting in the in two weeks, it was so raw. I didn't tap, but I was probably the closest I've ever been to tap. You didn't take breaks? You uh, didn't take breaks, like, often? Because I've seen a lot of people do that. Yeah, I, yeah, props to you. I don't have my chest done, and I have, but I've seen a lot of them done. I used to, I used to tattoo. I didn't do it for very long. I basically I apprenticed, and then I was around for a while, but um, I've been in the shop long enough. Like, I was doing it daily. I was there 40, 60 hours a week. Um, yeah. Do you have your knee done? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm done <laughs> I like from the toes. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm, yeah, basically. And I found that I have the back of my knee done, which was, like, the worst healing process. When, when people ask me what's the most painful, the back of the, back of the knee was the most worst healing process because it heals like plasma instead of like ink or blood because it's all moving and thick and stuff like it's a long long heal and it's nasty <laughs> but uh the knee i hate like i don't want i have the outline done and i don't want to go back for color it's uh this drawing like i've done um this is the hatchet i painted it on but this is what my knee is it's a jaguar skull with like aztec design um yeah, and I just don't got, I don't know if it was my buddy who put it in, but he just hammered it in with a very heavy, he went over like four lines, because it's in the knee, it's got to be in there. But that topped the foot and the toes. The knee sucks. Uh, the knee wasn't too bad. I find like there's always like a dime size area in every tattoo that kind of makes you uh, the inner thigh was a little tender there was that dime spot there in the inner thigh that kind of made me squirm a little bit this side of my ribs which i have a red demon on which this is my worst tattoo and this is um this is to gotta been have done one. twice yeah. oh it's, geez. it's been done twice brother uh he said i drove Two and a half hours, he was my the tattoo guy I was working with. And then I moved up here. And then uh, he, I set up this appointment. We get down there, and A, he was late. I, I, if I remember right, I had to go get him. And then it turned out to be his birthday, and he didn't want to do it. And so he just like, well, we'll just pound out the outline, and we'll call it good. I'm like, uh-uh, dude. I drove all this time, you know what I mean? I kind of, which yeah. I learned the lesson here, not to push your tattoo guy. 
for this yeah. reason. Yeah. It was the first one I kind of gave him artistic freedom on, you know, just let him let him go. And I wasn't happy with the overall look of the tattoo. And he even at the end of it, after what was it, eight hours, we went in on this thing. We got done at 12:30 at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah. he <sighs> It's all red shading, so he just pounded that side, you have the side, shovel shading, red, just all. Oh yeah, yeah. It was painful, very painful. Then the That's second time, it's just red fill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. So the but, second yeah. time I went in, and the first time he looked at it, he was like, "Yeah, that's." I, 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 I'll do you again. Couple weeks after that, he was up, come back in. I went, came back in, and he went over the, another six hours, another six hours on that thing. And midway through, this is another lesson I learned in with tattoos. Midway through, he's like, and again, that same shit. I had to wait for him. I had to go get him. Halfway through, he's like, "Oh man, I'm fucking hungry, man. You want to go get some beef?" And I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. I'll fucking go get you a burger, whatever. Yeah, and he's like, nah, man, let's go. There's a fucking sit-down restaurant a couple blocks down. Let's go sit down. And it turned into fucking a sit-down meal and a couple beers for him. Yeah. It was like an hour and a half before we went back (laughs) in on the ribs, and it was fucking painful as shit. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, man. I know how that goes. It sounds like a couple of my days or some guy that I used to work with. Um, yeah, people don't realize, especially in the tattoo shop, you'll see fainters. You've probably seen some people faint just being in there. Um, I don't know if it's like a private studio or if it's just a public thing. Even people who get their ears pierced, they, they pass out. It happens, right? It's mostly just anxiety. Um, but yeah, when you go to get tattooed, if you guys hear some advice, it's not going to be a walk-in. You don't walk into the tattoo shop and you get tattooed like that it's going to be 45 minutes to an hour probably they're going to talk to you book you have you fill out paperwork they're going to shave you they're going to apply a stencil they're going to let the stencil dry so yeah smoke a cigarette you know i moved and i smoked cigarettes for 17 years like i basically started smoking cigarettes i started i love smoke i still like love smoke i can do the tricks like the ghosts and blowing o's and i was enamored with smoke especially as an artist like just how it moves and everything. Um, and I smoked up until I left. Like I moved to Michigan two years ago and I quit smoking and then I went to vape and uh, went to nicotine, then to no nicotine. And then I, I don't smoke. I haven't smoked in like a year and a half. So if you're out there trying to quit, move, change your whole environment. And that is really will help. It, that's what helped me after 15 years, you know? full environment change yeah so yeah everyone has to shop smoke cigarettes back to the story um so it's a long time before you get tattooed are you uh you ever going to do your head i promised i promised i would stop at the neck yeah yeah you know what I promised my mom the ex- I, I promised my mom that i told her like she, i was going she's very supportive shout out to my mom I don't think she's watching, but uh, she uh, she's always been supportive. 
and her rule or her like thing to me was just don't go above the neckline. So I, I don't have one, but I was at one point going to have something behind the ear, like something you just couldn't see, like things like that. But yeah, I don't think I'll ever go above the collar line. You have like, you could have some fucking you know, sick shit though, dude. Like snake heads and like <laughs> all kinds of, you got a good head for it, you know? Man, I used to take a fucking, this, I used to work with this. I don't know, you know, obviously I don't see the back of my head, but I <laughs> yeah, guess now that yeah. I feel it, I guess I could see it or, you know, we're in the placement in that flat spot right there. But this cat used to tell me all the fucking time, you need to fucking, Put an eye on that thing. <laughs> right in the back, it looked fucking cool. Big old fucking tattoo eye on the back of your head. Like, no, no. <laughs> That'd be some crazy shit. When I was like kind of getting out, one of the really hot things was getting um, either an angel or a demon behind your ear of it like whispering. Like, and I thought that was kind of fucking, you know, every so often there's a trend that, that comes out and People come in like, hey, guy, copy this. And you start hearing about it. Um, uh, yeah. And there are guys, I guess, who trace and whatever, I guess. I'm an illustrator by trade, so I always like to do my own stuff. Um, I said I was going to do some show and tell. So these are some of my um, like more traditional illustrations. Um, and you can kind of see the tattoo idea. This, man, that sucks. It's like silver and gold. Um, but yeah, little rose. I like flowers. So here's a chrysanthemum for you. Man, shoot, F this light. I, mean, I sell these sketch cards at events and stuff. If you see me in person and you want to buy my traditional art, I sell stuff like this for, I don't know, 25, 30 bucks, and they're all hand done. This is, a, I like charas, you know? So this is the whole praying hands with charas. And then I have a, a gold black or gold foil like weed pattern in the back. Um, yeah. So it's like some of my illustration work. Um, of course, you can go to my Instagram and check out logos and branding and all kinds of stuff I do um, completed, but I still do everything. Even though I, you'll see all my digital work, people will ask me if I do traditional work and everything I do is still drawn by hand. Um, I start by hand. This is a watercolor uh, and graphite. So it's just pencil and watercolor. Um, yeah. Fun stuff. It's good stuff. I like to do that. I guess. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to ask, how do you, do you think, how much does cannabis influence the art? Obviously, you're artistic 100%. guy anyway, but do you think yeah. it enhances the art at all yeah. or makes you more creative? Yeah, I, I do believe that. I also believe, like, man, art is a art and being an artist is a complicated thing. So before I get to cannabis, I will say that I am also, I'm an insomniac, so I treat my, like, I yeah, that's my biggest thing. I, I've been an insomniac because I really don't sleep at all. Um clinically diagnosed and uh the big rso has helped a lot uh the other thing is so my creative time is like three in the morning in this weird haze where everyone is 
the, the world is asleep and I'm awake and I'm in a cannabis infused like state. Um, I'm not like crazy manic, but uh, I listen to a lot of music and I get into that kind of thing. But I pick cannabis based off of creative euphoric things. So I'll smoke a bowl and start thinking about things. And that's when it comes to me. And I have so much imagery or different ideas popping all at once that I'll do quick concept thumbnails, quick sketches, like, or write things down just to get it out. Um, because I'm so forgetful. Like, uh, it's good that I make all those notes too. So I'll do a full like diagnosis through the whole thought process or even just some creative thing I have like, oh damn, that's cool. I'll write it down because I'll forget it. Um, yeah, it's definitely. The other thing is when, so when I people talk to me about like turnaround times, let's just say that's a very, like a very common question that everyone talks, do you want to get work from me or you want to work with me is what's my turnaround times and they suck sometimes. Um, but part of that is taking a week away from the project and smoking on it or yeah thinking about it and diagnosing it and breaking it down and then coming back with a fresh eye like just the fact of me not looking at the design for a couple of days and then re-looking at it i can analyze it with fresh eyes i can find different details assess better things and i also have more times to think of a robust and well thought out plan you know what i'm saying it's it's hard to rush the creative process um sometimes i can rush art but to think about the concept and even <laughs> i've had people i like ask me for the simplest designs like it's just two letters like uh what are there not emblems i can't forget the word right now um it's not an ambigram but just very simple logos and the they're confused why it cost what it costs or the process or how long it took to do it is this is a lot of thought that goes into just getting it down to that simple shape even though it looks like yeah okay it just looks like two letters <laughs> okay yeah that's all it is but um i've gone through tons of iterations to get it to that process but yeah weed is the best i know artists who don't work on it and they have to not but no it it 100 lets me see a lot of different angles and subject matter from different um, perspectives. The sticky runs, I'm still smoking on this because it's new, but uh, it's definitely got yeah, like dry mouth. Definitely is one of the effects. Because I smoke a lot of double dose, it doesn't give me dry mouth. It's not bad. So you're the second artist I've talked to that says they do somewhat of a like interview process um so what kind of is that like i mean what are, what are you trying to find out from the people you're uh consigning um i do have kind of a list the i'm a, i'm there okay so there's a lot of artists the guy who you you told your artist like go do what you want be free and that's great. I do like that. However, sometimes, I don't know. Let's just say I have, here's a good ballpark range. I have over 15 clients right now on my list. I don't have time per se to re, I, or I can't give you the best well thought out idea of what you want. You 
I can't read people's minds. You know what I'm saying? So if you can tell me the best thing that you want, it's going to help me deliver that. I, because I'm like an illustrator, I, everything is done custom. I'm happy to work at whatever angle or crazy advanced thing that you want. We can do it. Your imagination is the limit. But give me some kind of guidance because if you say, hey, do with this, and then I spend four hours drawing three concepts or just two concepts because there's thumbnails before that and then there's a whole thought process above that. It's just like a lot of time. And then I get to this point and you're like, no, nah, I don't like any of that. It's like, fuck me. It's rough. It's, it hurts sometimes. <laughs> and that's what I see with other artists is it's because it's a personal thing. Like you're asking me to do my free thought and I think that this is good and that can suck you know with yeah oh here's okay rolling it all the way back to I watched Chad Westport and you guys the other night I thought that was a really good conversation really great one and some aspect that I can add to this from my perspective is professionally is artist critique I went to college for art um and fortunately in your first intro year they teach you how to critique somebody because you have a bunch of young developing minds and artists in general are empathetic and emotional or whatever they're just on a different kind of they're the wide spectrum of people and it's rough. If you don't know how to talk to somebody, you can really offend them in a critique. I get critiques all day um, because I work later through a revision process of, okay, what do you think of this? And I, after you've told me what you like, let me try and deliver the best thing that I can. And then let's like, what don't you like? What, what do you want to add? And let's get that added and changed so we can move to uh, a technical level where I don't have to do that many changes. But Talking to people critique-wise is good. And I think that people should take time to develop a deep thought. But with to be blunt about it, uh, it's a shit sandwich. You take a good compliment and a shitty compliment and then a nice compliment and you sandwich it. And it should be thought out, like you shouldn't fake it. If you're critiquing my work, like here's a dad mat that I did with my logo. And you could say, hey, I love the logo. I don't like, like the cork, but uh, I love that it's hand signed, right? Whatever, a sandwich of crap. Um, and it doesn't have, the other way of like saying, is don't say, I don't like this, but more of have you considered or I don't know. But the other, so there's two things that I've noticed once you learn all that is that people, when you're a good artist, no one says anything about your art. And like, if you're like a mid-range people, will, people will say like a lot of stuff about your art, but they won't critique it. They won't tell you the bad things per se because they're trying to like uplift the spirit or whatever, tell them the truth or they're not going to improve, like critique somebody. And I think that's, I agree 100, the best friends in my life, I don't 
we argue and I talk shit to him. If you got something in your teeth, I'm going to tell you about it because you got something in your fucking teeth. Um, and I'm not trying to be like mean to people, but I also think like they, if someone's watching somebody go out of line and wander down a path, like, hey, you're my homie, dude. Come on. Like, what the fuck are you doing? But you can still do that whole process critically and friendly and all that stuff it just you need to reaffirm with compliments yeah <laughs> like at the at the core of it you just need to like reaffirm that look there's this one thing but we're still like our relationship is more important to the bigger picture um in a personal relation so especially when you're critiquing an artist don't come in and shit on them when you're working with an artist or your friend anyone you want them to feel positive about the relationship and put in the best effort that they can to be generous and even give more than that and um so if they're feeling bad about it or you're being rude per se then there's a higher chance that you're not going to get what you expect already which is going to piss you off more um to that you know I hope that kind of made some sense. <laughs> it did. It actually kind of hit home. <laughs> it's um. Way, to be honest. It's I don't. It, yeah, I don't advise anyone to go down the art path. It's hard. I put myself out there all the time, and I last year, like, I'll be honest, I'm not. I've dropped the ball tons last year specifically. Um, just dropped the ball, man, and to the point where this past winter, it's like, dude, I wanted to just quit, like. And go back to working in some factory because I'm full of freelance. I work from home and like I bust my ass, but it's hard. And I see other artists um, who deal with it. And I always try and reach out. But if you come up to me and you're like, hey, do you think I should pursue this? I always tell you no, because <laughs> it's rough. But um, like other artists, like if you're, if you're interested in art, no one's going to stop you. Like you're just going to do it. If you if you love like just people like if you love weed you're probably gonna keep growing it you know wherever you are and consuming it wherever you are. I'm one of those people that uh, believe you should be chased anywhere. You know, life's too short to be trapped in something that you're miserable. You know, a good portion of your day, your night, your week, your walk, whatever. You know, I would, I would, I would rather get by and do what I love than be rich and do what I hate. <laughs> if that makes yeah. any sense to you. No, no, it uh, it does. People like here's the other thing that's rough as an artist, and just to be blank is, I put in a lot of work, and people sometimes like either laugh at my prices or just kind of. I've had somebody scoff at me. But if I'm going to put 40 hours into something or 100 hours into something, how much do you like? I just want to ask somebody, like, how much do you get paid per hour? Right. The other thing is that because the way I do it and what I'm specialized in, I have 15 years experience. Um, I'm one and done. Like, uh, you're never going to have to change your logo again or anything like that, you know? So. Uh, appreciate that you don't go into a, a restaurant and ask somebody for free food. Don't go to an art, artist and ask them for a free piece of art. Like, 
I only have time is dwindling. I don't have enough hours in the day. We just lost them with the damn time change. Um, but yeah. The other thing is because I work from home and all this shit, it's like I have people who hit me up all the time, like Friday, Saturday night, and they want it done by Monday. But they don't think that I have like 15 other clients or 20 other clients um, that want the same thing. Um, so just understand like that it takes a while and we put a lot of effort into it. Not just like I said, is I it also takes the time as I'm thinking about your concept over the weeks or over the month that we work together. Um, I'm really I'm smoking down. I've got a big list and I think about it. Like the list haunts me of names. <laughs> um, yeah. Damn. I guess now that I've, I've, had, I've had the the question now for a minute, but yeah. listening to you speak, uh, I can actually see it to be more frustrating now than when the question came up. So, Basically, the question, the original question was, I heard you at one point say you get an idea, you kind of write it down, you got time to get back to it. Uh, is the idea always as passionate when you get back to it? You know what I mean? Just because you wrote it down, when you kind of look at it again, do you kind of see the same vision or can it, you know what I mean? Is writing it down a good thing or you know what I mean? Is there time loss yeah. in the vision? I Not, I think they call it a, a, ma a magnum carter. I don't know. Your magnum opus? I think that's what they call an artist's any form of art, like their great work of art in their life that they complete. Um, and if you talk about like Sistine Chapels and shit, those took years to paint. So don't go to a, don't go to a tattoo artist and ask them to do like the David tattoo on your arm, the like at touching Adam fingers. Don't tell them to do that in that thing. It takes years to paint that. Um, sorry. <laughs> Can you say what your question was one more time? Uh, if there was any kind of loss in the vision from the time you wrote it down yeah. to the next time you got it back. The worst ones are when you've missed the mark. And it's hard. I can't, I can't hit everything 100% of the time. And those are the ones that suck. Like, and you, and personally, like, for me, I put quality above everything with my name. I don't want to put crap out there. I don't, that's not what, like, my legacy that I want to leave. I don't, anything. I care about high quality stuff. So, uh, yes, the list helped tons. And sometimes I will definitely go back and reassess. Sometimes the worst thing is when we're late stage and it's just not coming together. Like revisions are coming and it's just like not changing right and all this stuff. But I also have to, I also limit revisions generally with clients. I've never charged anyone recently in the past. Yeah. Since I've started in the past two years doing it like hardcore, I haven't charged anyone for revisions. I'm very lenient about that because I want you to get what you want. But I say two to four, two major ones that take like, this is my stage. It goes rough concepts. You'll get pencil sketches. Then I go into digital inks. So I digitally ink a final, we go rough concepts, final pencils. Like you'll see a drawing that like, oh, this is what's going to look like. Then I go to final inks. Then I color it, then I vector, which is like turning it into a technical professional thing. When we start going into, well, I've, I'm in digital inks of a character. Uh, I got a reference. 
uh, shout out to Madam Euphoria. But here, like, if I get it to digital inks and then she all of a sudden wanted to change the entire pose of the character, I have to go to stage one because I'm an illustrator. Rough concept, pencils, digital inks. Like, there are people who take, there are uh, public domain royalty-free stock images that you can buy and bring in as assets and, and do all that stuff. Everything I do is by hand. All the leaves were drawn by hand on that, all the dogs, the, everything. There's no copyright issues, there's no anything. I am happy to do domain royalty graphic mashups and stuff like that, but every project that I have is almost like sheets of paper that you'll never see, but no one ever sees, not even the client, because there's crap all over the place. Um, so I usually send like the best thumbnails and like the best finals, but there's five plus drawings for everything else of shit. And then when I get to the digital level, I have folders on my computer where it's revisions plus revisions. I had to clean off my computer last night because I was running out of memory. My computer actually shut down while I was working on a project. Um, yeah, there's a lot more than what people think goes into it. Um, and like I said, I try and deliver all that. But the other thing is because I'm running my own business is I have to do all the consultations. I have to do all the meetings. I have to do all the follow-ups and, and I wanna give everyone my full attention. So a proper consultation should be like 30 minutes to an hour, you know, um, and in depth, like uh, I have lots of detailed questions because I wanna get somebody the best thing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's hard. Uh, I want to shout out like my girlfriend Natalie Bradford Art and uh, Seven Ten DPO, and uh, like martial artist and Kingfisher Design and Kazoo Kush and everyone out there who's like an artist. It's rough, <laughs> um, and I feel you. And if you ever want to talk to me, like hit me up. I'm happy to just chill and vent. <laughs> so another question I have, kind of to creation i guess um and it seems like now that i listen to your concept of how you go through things and how many things you go on it makes what i'm about to ask it seems like it's more difficult to obtain uh so when you start a project do you like to like put everything aside and try to take it as close to a good rough draft or uh, completion that first round. I just kind of feel like, and yeah. again, it kind of relating back to the tattoos there. That's what There's I used something to tattoo. in the moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tattoo, working in tattoos hardened me up, which is like what I needed to, to learn because one, tattooing as a tattoo artist, it's not about one of the biggest things. It's not about your art ability, it's about your anxiety level doing something permanent on somebody's skin, like, especially I'm not that tall, but I'm like probably 5'10 or something, but some dude, some huge biker who like, if I screw up, he's gonna beat my ass. Like it's anxious. So you gotta get over that. The other thing is I started as an apprentice, but I, like I answered a lot of phones. I did a lot of bullshit work and everyone's price shopping. Everyone's price shopping, um, especially for something that's permanent on your body. Um, so I just, I've heard a lot of the same shit and I don't, so like sometimes I'm just hard about it. Like, okay, 
okay, I just don't care. Like go price shop somebody else. Don't, if you're gonna price shop, don't let your artists know you're price shopping. We don't wanna hear it. Like we just don't. It's one of those, just don't, just don't bring it up. It, like we're cool about it. We understand I go, I, I want you to get the best work at the cheapest price, but don't tell me about it. Um, it goes back to like, you want somebody that you work with to feel better. And if you're not tipping your tattoo artist, like it was a big no-no. If you're like, you tip your tattoo artist, no one tips me but that's cool. I get it. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a whole different thing when it comes to my art people. So I price things lower than like tattoos. Like somebody wants a full sleeve. Like you want a $650 piece. Like my generally my logos don't cost cost $650. However, if I do a logo, I'm doing main imagery for your brand. You as a client, you should look at it as, as an investment. I could bring up a bunch of statistics, which sometimes I will talk to clients about that shows 90% of clients want professional logos. And then these are how you get them. And they'll want this and that and this and that. I'm gonna increase the value of you. And that's what I'm here to do. Like I like Japanese traditional tattooing. So you would have a, usually those guys decide what gets tattooed on somebody's body. Like the artist decides. And you hang out with that guy for a couple months or a year and uh, go out to dinner with him a bunch. And then he decides, oh yeah, you're a tiger like you're a water lily you're a dragon and he tattoos your your whatever full back or shit um yeah so i try and give everyone the full attention in that regards full back tattoo man talk about i have that's the one area anymore uh like a sleeve and stuff like that you know i'm i'm wanting things i again i hate because I want it, there's again, I think there's something in the moment. The yeah. artist, you know, sees, you know, it's the gonna, proper it's shading gonna, in there. Yeah, is it's it harder to get value. back to that moment? Like, I mean, if you on? have to come back, is it the same? You know what I, I mean? Don't... Are you in the same place? Not like, really. Oh, it's a tactile thing, no. like holding machines like that, like the, the weight of a machine, and it's corded um i don't know people don't think it as much but tattooing is very bloody like as a tattoo artist like <laughs> you know man um and like i don't know i just don't i'm no i do think about it though because the traditions i here's another thing about art that young people artists or, or i get it in a general questions is i'm a believer that you can teach yourself art it's not it's not an innate talent you don't have to be like talented I had some talent when I was younger. And because of that, I think I had like some ego and I kind of pissed away some of the years. And I saw people who I thought were worse artists than me just bust their ass and get better than me because they were doing education. So later when I came back for like over the years, I've always looked at it as learning, especially as an illustrator. I couldn't, <laughs> I was talking to my neighbor about this who's, um, like an older lady she's retired and stuff but she's a mechanic i'm not a mechanic and i was like i can't draw a carburetor and she was laughing she was like you couldn't draw a carburetor and i was like no i don't know like what it, i could i could draw a spark plug or i could draw like an engine block kind of but i'd have to use a reference um so i'd have to pull up references but i can draw characters and stuff because i understand anatomy and that's the biggest thing is like education of the items. I draw flowers because I understand what a chrysanthemum looks like. I understand what a peony looks like. I understand what cannabis looks like. I think 
as an artist, especially somebody who does a lot of cannabis stuff, being a grower widened the range of my ability and spectrum to use life reference and understand the plant. Because I've done plenty of like, oh, draw weed leaves and stuff. And I would have just, and if I was just a, a smoker and I didn't grow, I, I wouldn't understand the plant. Um, that it's, I don't know, but you have like, uh, with branches though, like why off, you know, like you'll come up one off and then it'll come branch off structure wise. Um, I don't know. There's tons of things to think about, uh, that you could have a Christmas tree weed, like a cannabis plant. If you didn't top it or you could top it and make it a bush. Right. And the different variances of strains that you can grow, um, that has helped a ton. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's all studying. I um, so here's some cool, like weird show and tell stuff like that people don't really see ever. Um, so here's some like dragon punch that I grew. Um, it's uh, That's nice. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, it's good. Thank you. Um, but I turned that into these pendants. Like I resin cast them. Um, so it's real cannabis, like sealed in resin. Um, I usually have them as pendants ah. and stuff. I keep the provenance, like if I didn't grow it, I keep the strain or I get it from other growers. I also will make like funky ones. So this is a gold sealed like sparkle one with gems. Um, some of my favorite ones, and this is dipped in like gold leaf, but it's uh, got a honey drip, like uh, sauce on the rocks on it. Um, and it's all real weed. The hardest things to do are these leaves um because they're so you got to do when they're dry and fragile yeah they got like a hollow it's really hard man because it's light but they have a holographic like reflection on them and then i also make the most of the plants but i make stands like i use my stalks i save them and i dry them and then i cut them and whatever i make stands for the necklaces and shit um so you can have the stock of dragon punch with a dragon punch uh, pendant and stuff. This is rosin, like a fake rosin pendant I made, um, like hash rosin. Um, and yeah, I sell these at events if you see me in person. I'm trying to set up an Etsy, but uh, some of the other stuff I'm doing is they'll be wire wrapped like now, jars. So I'm trying to upgrade the quality and shit. Yeah, shout out to Madame Euphoria again. She's also supplied me with a bunch of cords um, to hook up all the goodness on. Yeah, I got my hand in a lot of pots. So, okay, going back to this, like I just mentioned that real snippet, don't be frustrated at an artist if they post other work on their Instagram or if they work on other things. When I have other clients, but I need personal creative expression. When I work nonstop with people, or clients, which happens like, like the trenches, my busy season is coming up right now. I'm very like in demand. So if I don't get respond to messages or shit really fast, like, but I, I do need some time to do my own thing. Uh, Cause it bottles up and, uh, and that's where you can get like pent up and, and you just, you need to express yourself in a lot of different ways. And I'll like put a paper on the wall and just smoke weed and draw like real big things, like just to get my whole body in emotion of creative expression yeah and that's not like a later technique is like or an advanced one is life drawing drawing models do it standing up 
and teach your body to draw. If you draw small, start drawing big. Um, step out of your comfort zone. Don't copy and, and learn from life, you know, and grow a lot of weed. If you're not growing weed, start growing weed. I definitely agree with everybody growing weed part. That's for sure. The, the latter is all the as well. So when it comes to tattooing, I, I, when you were talking about pit tattooing, I couldn't help but want to ask this as well. Coil machine or direct drive, which do you prefer? Like uh, loyal to the coil, right? Um, I don't really have too much experience on a pen. I will totally, I, I was interested in rotary for a lot of color work and certain aspects of it. I think there's both to it. And I don't know if you know this, but the rotary came first. Really? Yeah, the electric pen was the first like rotary. R rotary was before the coil. Yeah. Um, so when people are like, oh yeah, fucking coil and shit, it's, you know, that's always like one of the comebacks. But um, I think they both have a purpose. I'm one of those guys. I did grow up like, or the person who was teaching me was traditional artist. So I was hammered in like in that style. And I was, I had the harsh treatment of like, yeah, we're going to fuck with you um, and all stuff. But yeah, like coils hammer, man. And so liners all day, like, well, pack it in. <laughs> right? That's what sucked about my knee is I know the machine that he used was a hammer and I know the needle size and everything. And it just, <laughs> it's like a nail gun, Why? right? <laughs> if, I guess if chat doesn't oh. know what we're talking about is we're talking about, uh, there are two types of main uh, tattoo machines. One is uh, electric, um, electromagnetic coils that pull a armature bar down. It actually like when you're turning it on, it moves from positive to negative super fast and pulls a bar down. So it's an actual like, real thing going and then and it, yeah a rotary machine is a drive because a motor that spins and pushes the needle down um so yeah that's what we were referring to from a lot of the artists i've talked to uh i think the area they prefer one to the other sometimes that sunnier tougher skin that rotary Pull out, you know, choose that to get through some of that tougher skin. But, uh, you know, there's something to be said about that. No coil machines. I, I prefer, you know, when I really need ink therapy, to be honest yeah. with you, I ask for the coil machine because I just, there's something about that. And then yeah. you don't hear that in a lot of shops anymore. You don't have to talk to your artist. Rotary. Yeah, yeah, it's been pushed pretty hard onto it, and it's like the new age thing. But yeah, I um, when you get into the level like a professional tattooing, most artists will have a lot of different machines. Like, and then you also want to have backup machines for the day that something doesn't go right, or your machine breaks and you're in the middle of something. You want to have a backup too. Those machines are expensive, um, like the good ones. So I've also I've known people to they go through phases. People who will like buy a new machine and then that's their new thing for a bunch of months and then they'll get another new machine um and also just like you said where it's just depends on what's going on that right 
the right tool for the right job in art that's very true especially in uh like i coming out of college i did woodworking i used to program saws and build grand staircases and in woodworking or manufacturing it's the right tool for the right job measure twice cut once all that good stuff um but the same thing in art sometimes you have to have the right tool and in tattooing specifically they don't talk about it and i'm not going to mention any like real things because that's not really my place but there's a lot of things that uh, a client or people who get tattooed don't realize that the artist is thinking about through the entire process and doing and one of the biggest things which is the secondary is like the sanitation and the safety of them that's the number one priority in most tattoo artists um and then the artists like secondary stuff so yeah well you know a good artist and uh i again learned that the hard way with the old demon by the way the the demon concept was you know everybody's got that oh yeah you know what i I, mean um... was kind of the thought there but the funny thing about this is and again a good artist will take your piece into consideration and your body into consideration and your skin movement into consideration this demon because of where it's placed and how it's placed as i raise and lower my arm makes so many different facial expressions I yeah. a lot of times I'm, I'm fucking if I'm like really high and I jump in the shower and get out. There's a lot of times I'll get out of the shower and I'll be like happy demon, man demon, sad demon. You know what I mean? I have the because <laughs> uh, there's so much travel. <laughs> I have this a screaming hand. I don't know if you know. Like you, you skateboard. Like when you were younger, you still skateboard. No, I rode uh, freestyle. I'm more freestyle. Ah, yeah, that's how it goes. Man, I'm gonna stand up and try and show this. It's fucking hard, but it's. Uh, I have a screaming hand on the back of my knee, and so like I can make yeah. it walk and talk, like when I <laughs> do shit, because um, it's got a mouth on it. Yeah, that's a fucking weird one. At this point, um, because I was gonna, I was gonna be a lifer and just be really tatted up, and that's what I was gonna do professionally for a long time. My shop um, that I used to do it out is all closed. Like all the artists left and I don't know what happened, unfortunately. If anyone, those guys are listening, I hope you're well. Um, but I don't I don't have too much meaning behind the stuff I want. Like I told you on my sleeve, like I just want it to look cool. I want it to be like really fucking awesome and, uh, and a work of art. I want people to walk by and be like, holy shit. You know what I'm saying? And not just because it's like, oh damn, that's a lot of ink, but like, oh. You know what I'm talking. You go to the conventions and stuff. No, you no, gotta go to I'm a convention. Well I need to. Yeah, it's uh like I've been. That was the I've had the some of my my best tattoo is done at a convention. And in my opinion, the first thing in getting a tattoo is research an artist. I know that you. Oh, I, whoops, I know that you've got a really good artist that you um, work with regularly, but. Um, a good way to start is look up a convention because it's a mass conglomerate of a bunch of people and a lot of them are very talented. So find the, do research before you go to the event, find the person you want to work for, get there early the first day and beeline it to them. Um, 
or like and pick up three or four like four artists because some of them might be booked and, and things will happen so like go to your number one choice and then two and three and see what their prices are and what they're doing and then pull the trigger man get tattooed at the convention um it's a hell of a fun time um and those that the, the artists there are trying to do their best work right they're there under pressure you might pay maybe a little bit higher prices because it's like you know event tax but there's also really cool uh shows and stuff there's always and the, the grooviest of people that's an awesome trade man uh i think that's a pretty damn cool that you have that in your repertoire basically because that's a travel you know as long as you've got a portfolio you can take this skill anywhere you want in the world and find some work especially these days as hot as tattoos are so and that kind of brings me to my next question and i think i already know the answer which would you which do you prefer i mean now right now you have to deal with you know more a lot of people but you get to work you know at your own pace by yourself but the tattooing's pretty hot man tattoo guys are making spank right now 100 200 bucks an hour uh, yeah that's exactly know. that's the only downside is that people don't take what i do as seriously and like i said if you come to me see you know how much tattoos cost right how many how are you wearing a brand new car or a used car or how many used cars are you wearing right you're wearing thousands of dollars of ink i am um I would, I'm always friendly with people and super cool art throughout the ages, through history, period, is a luxury item. And, if, and that's just how it is. So if you can't afford it, that's fine. Like pay your bills first. Like I got it. And that's the other thing is like, I, I got to eat. So this is my profession. This is my trade. Like this is what I do. But I do the exact same thing is it's for life kind of, right? If I do your logo, and you use it for 10 years, how much money has, has your business generated over that 10 years? How much of that is associated with my creative, like my work, like people getting used to the, if I do a good job, it should be pretty good, right? Like Nike, it just becomes iconic. And that's something I talk to some people about is, is sometimes simple is better, like tone it down and hit the, hit that little mark and just make it don't even write a word. Just make it associated with a symbol. Uh, and you just got to brand it. It's on them to brand it. But out of that revenue that they make over 10 years, how much is like contributed off of that? And they don't want to pay me the cost of like one tattoo. If they generate $100,000, like they don't want to pay me $500 for a logo. <laughs> um, in the freelance market privately, like somebody through me, you're looking at... Um, if you're a private person, like a private grower, you're looking at 200 to $2,000. That's like an average. I've known people who pay $2,000. I know people, my rates are pretty low. My minimum starts at 250. Like that's what I usually do. A pretty bottom. Um, I'm not trying to crush anyone. But if big businesses come, then it, uh, the price ups significantly because of that. Like I said, the amount of thing that's generated off of my image, like working for Walmart, right? Or Nike it's associated that icon you know and there's multiple ways you can do it you can do royalties but generally it's just like you pay for one item and you buy the rights to the piece of art and then you do what you want with it um yeah but 
the other thing people don't understand is like if you don't sign a contract with somebody um the artist owns that <laughs> art period like intellectual intellectual property rights um as soon as somebody creates something for musicians or anyone who's making a painting like you own that it's yours um and you own the rights to it period you don't have to go get it copyrighted you don't have to get it trademarked you own it period um you own the rights to it so if like if i didn't sign a contract with a big company and they printed all my stuff later and then i i could sue them later for being like oh you're using my image without my rights um so it's a whole weird thing and when you get into corporate logos there's a huge spectrum of like oh yeah i knew a buddy who wrote it on a, a napkin at the bar and we made it for like 200 bucks to i think forget what company it's a huge company and it was a two million dollar change to their logo and it's literally like a font altercation and a different shade of blue but it is what it is find the guy find somebody who you work with that's that's always who it is i meet people all the time who i'd love to work with but they already got, they already got a guy you know or, or, or a gal they're super, I think there should be a big shout out to a lot of the women in the industry, especially in tattooing. Um, there's not as many women as there should be. And um, they get pushed out a lot and they have to do with a lot of crap. So shout out to all the women in life, period. So are there some in particular strains that you like to uh, smoke on when you're uh, in there? creative or wanting to be in the creative mindset yeah i get up and i smoke all day i think a lot of us do you know our tolerances are pretty high so i stay away from indica leaning variants uh i don't want to go to sleep i can't go to sleep uh i right now it's rainbow Kishments um, by abc company is a really good one it's a great flavor it's a great thing to grow in my garden as a plant period so it's like long-term keeper favorite daily smoker uh and that is oh man i don't want to butcher it so i'm not gonna say exactly what it is right now but it's delicious and um it's a super weird funky fermented fruit gassy skittle purple uh i don't even know how to describe it it's delicious um i'm not too big on gas flavors or fuel i mean i like it but it's not my thing so i have double dose which is dosey do cross with the rise by irie and that is the it's got the chem but it's got the cookie and i have gmo like a lot of people and i really like my gmo cut i got it from a really well-known um hash rosin maker and processor and um, it washes really well and it grows really well and just yeah this is the middle ground it's like i get my sweet cookie sugary and i get my gas fuel um and the high is great uh creative euphoric um munchies kind of you know and also as a strain it grows superbly well as in you're getting the tall kind of like chem structure like GMO, um, like the lanky stalks, but the bud structure is great. Like it's very uniform, uh, nice. Everything's going to be a nice nug. You're not going to get smalls like really. It's all just, you may not get huge ones, but everything's great. 
like all around wonderful plant. And uh, I think that can have a later flower time, like it can run nine-ish weeks, but I found mine finishes early. When I pheno hunted it, like it was just the keeper out of the lot. Like it was banging on all, all cylinders and it finished early. And I was like, um, easy one for that. And most everything I, I pop and I hunt myself. The most recent thing that I've hunted over this winter was Starstruck from also from Ivory, which is really nice. And everyone who smokes that says the same thing that it's like getting high in high school. I've had three or four people say that experience is that giggly, bubbly high. Um, and shout out to Rasta Jeff. He usually is like pretty on point with his uh, labeling or like dissection of the plant and how it's the effects and the aroma. He's pretty good about that. The Dragon Punch is also by him and that has a chocolate coffee, robust coffee undertone to it. And it's definitely there, but I wouldn't have been able to know what it was unless it said, like if I weed nerded it out and went and looked at the description of everything and did research on it by him. Um, and then the last thing that I'm really smoking on is Machiavelli and that's Mac one and lava cake. Um, and it's from a breeder who's kind of from around the Southwest. He's not like a, he's not in seed banks and he's not anything like that. So this is kind of, and these are older seeds and I don't think that he'll be doing anything more period. So I kind of feel like I got a hidden gem. Um, and, uh, the effects are really good. It's, I don't know if it's the greatest plant to grow. It's a short bushier plant. The nugs don't get, or the flowers don't get super like massive. It's kind of like longer, skinnier buds, but damn the flavor and the, um, high is wonderful and terpenes and flavor. And that's super important to me. So it's like, yeah, definitely blackberry blueberry yeah it's really good really really good what are you what's like what's your daily drivers i like the, I, I like the gasier stuff uh, but uh I, I, don't, I don't mind any of it you know i prefer the gasier stuff i like the lemons i want the pines if i can ever get them back uh right now I'm tried, I've talked about this quite a bit, uh, tried growing out several pine streams and it turned out to be my environment was actually suppressing that in particular area. No, no matter how many strains that I grew. Really? That were, yep. That's interesting. Yeah. That it just isolated. It will. So I don't know. I When it comes it reminds me kind of of steam distillation, which interests me. And I'm not an extractor or pro like anything like that. But I've always liked the whole thinking of steam distillation is you just heat it up and it just kind of like process it out at different levels and you just flip a valve and kind of catch it at that different container. So yeah, it, it totally makes sense that some just valve was open on all the right cylinders to not allow that to happen or like to drain out or something. I don't know. Because I was about to say, um, I have a really nice cut of uh, 24 karat gold that shit, that's just like lemon and pine, man. And it's a great plant to grow. So if you're interested, I definitely give a cut to you. Um, which, yeah. Tell, okay. 
Right, do you know what's up with the Bigfoot Lodge camping thing? I've been trying to figure out. Like, I want to go do that again, but I haven't seen the event pop up, and I can't find the event planner. Um, but that was just a great weekend, and you know, it's usually in June, and they usually start uh, advertising it. You know, uh, April, May, but uh, I'm sure they're definitely going to have it. And we've actually, me, uh, Stony. Few others talked about just renting campground and kind of doing just kind of like a private event up there. Oh yeah, I throw down. I want to like I'm saving time. I'm around that time in the year, like on my calendar. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I'm even trying to like plan my grow out around it so that I can get. I grow in cocoa, so I and it's not automated, so I'm in hand watering hell every day. Um, so. I got to make sure other somebody can look after the garden for you know a couple of nights or whatever. I feel you there. Yeah, that's one thing I do like about being back into uh, the soil is that uh, that time there. You know, a little bit more. They handle a little bit more time, a little stress, a little bit more time in between waterings. There, I'm definitely enjoying soil. I need to make the move sometime soon just because I need to, I want to try it. You know, I haven't, I went straight into cocoa when I learned and I haven't moved into a different medium. Um, so yeah, it's something I definitely want to try and do soon. My biggest thing is just uh, waiting to move. I need to be in like a different place. Yeah. Mark is all weird, funky. Oh, I know everybody, there's a lot, so many people moving right now. Especially the in the community, it seems like there's a man. I I was looking in uh, Michigan today. For one, I can't I can't believe how much uh, housing prices are. Uh, I may have to rent for a minute until I find something to buy. Uh, and rent is crazy right now. Holy shit, I've never seen the rent prices, so I'm just out of control. So, you know, that's, and there's nothing in Northern Michigan. Nothing. I couldn't believe it, man. I'm like, where are the dots up here by us? I mean, up from Holton Lake. A nice it goes fast, too. There's nothing. No, it pops up and it's gone immediately at like over the asking price. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm staying here for a while. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all good. I have fun. Uh, still learning. Right now, I'm for this year, I'm trying to work on like min, max, uh, minimizing and maximizing my garden. Um, I'm also hunting some new stuff. I always say I'm going to stop popping seeds and getting genetics, and then it, oh, stupid shit. Um, actually, shout out to everyone who gives me the genetics. I love you. Send some more. Um, I'm growing... Fruity Pebbles OG, which I got through BP hooked me up with some seeds, but I think those seeds originated from 40 acres. So shout out to 40 acres and BP. And this is supposed to be like legitimate Fruity Pebbles OG. And the plants are amazing. Um, the best like seed started plants I may have had, though I will say that I also am doing blackened mango times asafras that I got from Kazoo Kush. And those um are cruising as well like so i'm 
yeah i'm all, i'm hunting those i also got a new cut of oreos that i'm i'm checking out from yeah that's too much <laughs> you know you probably have a lot on your plate as well and even more coming So what, what were some of the first strains you started out with? All right, let's kind of like back up here. Like back growing or smoking? Smoking, I have no clue because I was in the traditional market. So people just give you stuff. I don't know what I had. I've been smoking. And, you know, the other thing is you start growing and you learn who been ripping, ripping your ass off. You're like, I thought you were my homie, bro. You've been giving me the larf, like the bottom of the bag. Who are you? Um, it's a whole different kind of like craziness and it, I don't know, as a grower now, I totally understand it. Um, as a starting out. initially led you to grow. Yeah. Initially a, led life, to I've been smoking weed forever and it's like just my passion, like cannabis and art. That's me. Um, and when I moved to Michigan, I have been overwhelmed with the positivity and the legal market it just is extremely freeing and that's why i'm on camera i don't know my face is i've spent so much time in my life hiding behind curtains and blinds and i didn't grow then i was definitely too feared i'm somebody who deals with anxiety and stress a lot so um now that i moved to michigan i don't have anxiety and stress which i used to take like meds for right or i have over my life like tried to deal with that all i need is smoke weed and grow weed because that's like a, these stressors being in the garden and and that aspect. Um, but also, I don't need to be worried about it. As a grower, um, so I started growing as soon as I could when I came here. I I couldn't jump right in, you know. But as soon as I could, I started meeting people who grew and learning from them and that's why i'm in cocoa i didn't know about cocoa i was like coconut husks you grow in husks and you have to water it nutrients um but everyone i knew grew that way so they taught me and um i was fortunate to learn from somebody who had been growing for 10 years and then a very good friend of mine um, business partner who's been growing for like seven years now um caregiver um the caregivers have been awesome, like here in Michigan and, and just in general. Tattooing is, there's a lot of gatekeepers in that industry. And it's a traditional industry as in you're kind of joining the circus when you join that trade and you don't talk about it. I may have said too much already tonight, to be honest with you, telling people about coils and rotary machines. Um, the growing world is the complete opposite as in People will give you free seeds. People will give you free equipment. You'll be like, man, I'm trying to buy a tank. They'll be like, yo, I got a tank. I got two lights. I'll bring them over today. You ready to go? Um, people are super friendly that I found. You know, Of course, there's the general rule because I'm coming from like traditional market. And the first rule is like, don't ever tell anyone you grow and don't ever let like anyone come to your place and, and, and all that crap. It still applies to things, but grow growers love exists especially throughout all these communities through all the podcasts through all the instagram community growers are the best community i've ever been involved with artists can be shy and but a lot of us are not full ego driven but there is an ego and we are trying to like person like work ourselves up growers are help most everyone out 
one of my favorite things to do is give away weed, like just give free weed to people. Um, yeah, I, I do it all the time. Um, I know it's good weed. I know it's fresh and like I have excess because I just pretty much like smoke myself, you know, it's, I donate to some people that the patients and such, but um, I'd rather you be okay. Cause that's, that was my biggest thing is also growing my own supply um, for the amount that I smoke. It's really, why would I buy it at that point? Uh, you know what I'm saying? To scale, uh, it's way cheaper to grow. And I didn't think I would like growing as much, but it's, yeah, I run, I don't know if perpetual is the proper term, but I have everything going at all times. I have clones, I have seeds, I have veg, I have flower, and usually I have multiple stage flower. So I kind of rotate through maybe a three week, four week cycle of plants. So I have multiple flowering plants doing multiple things. I'm always harvesting, I'm always cloning, I'm always planting seeds, I'm always, and uh, I do it because I love it. Like that, and I want to keep all my uh, cultivars and, all the stuff I've hunted around, you know, every, everything that I have grown, I know we've mentioned Stoney and I, and shout out to Stoney. I think he grows, he's, he's grown a lot of plants, but he doesn't, he hasn't cloned them all, you know? Um, Cause I've mentioned the first time I met him, I was like, Oh, let me get a cut. And he's like, Oh, I just grew one plant. I'm like, damn it. Um, what was it? Alien runts, Tahoe OG. I forget what it was, but that was so good. Uh, Stoney grows really, really good weed. Um, Everything that I've grown, I back up, I clone, I grow it for about like two or three times. Sometimes I'll cut it. Like recently I chose to get rid of one plant early out of my garden, but I'll also cycle the stuff. So I'll hold a couple strains back and then be flowering some. And then as one drops, I'll pop in another. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always got stuff. Um, yeah. You, you do too. I mean, look at all the damn tents. garden is uh winded down because i am in the faces of there so i just kind of want to address something in chat i see this a lot it's that i can't find a good pine strain again it's back to the environment so do you want to do you actually want to hear the pine thing yeah, yeah, yeah definitely definitely sorry i'm not keeping up with chat everyone um it's uh just trying to give you the best show by focusing <laughs> So, uh, basically, I had grown in this environment for a while now, five years. Three of those years, I had a uh, fatigue floor over this. And I grew out of quite a few pine strains. Uh, I love that lemon pine. It's a, it's a nice combo right there, the one like you were talking about earlier. Uh, so, at one point, I pulled the fatigue mat up all the little squares and there is a 12 inch floor drain back here which obviously is excreting some type of like sewer gas or some type of gas in general and ever since and again i never put two and two together until i talked to mr toad in one of these episodes and talked about this uh never realized that that gas would suppress or you know have any effects 
on what I was growing, but it made perfect sense from the time span that I pulled up that floor and the time I started regrowing the pines, directly correlated. So it's crazy how that works. It's not that I can't find the pine trees. Pardon me? Is it fixed now? Like, did you, did you notice a change once it was cleaned out? Yeah, well, it's covered again now. And oh. I've already noticed in a pine strain it kind of coming back. That's awesome. So That's crazy. Yeah. Who knows? I, I would have never thought. Never would have yeah. even thought. My grow is like pretty isolated to one room, but it's pretty locked down. Um, yeah, it works out pretty efficiently somehow. And I think it's because the AC like clean runs past everything. I've tried, I was running my temps a little bit colder, but I'm changing that up. Um, yeah. Well, sorry. So I have a question about, uh, I asked you earlier if, uh, there was any kind of cannabis that in kind of influenced or could made you more creative or artistic. Uh, but I got a same question, but about cultivation. Do you, know, you find that at any point that does cultivation help with your art in any way? Is that say being in the garden is always kind of a sun calming moment. Does it kind of clear your mind and yeah, you know, yeah, one hundred percent open up that path, or does yeah. it help you? You know, when you're stuck. When I'm gardening, when I'm, yeah, when I'm gardening, I'm not thinking about art. I, I, and I didn't even think about that until you just said that, but I'm, yeah, I probably am subconsciously just shutting it off completely because I give a hundred percent focus to a lot of things when I do it, when I'm gardening. Yeah. Um, I don't think about anything but the gardening task. I don't know if there's anything perpetually that I like. You know, as dumb as it sounds, I kind of like defanning. I just like to watch the, I just like to spend that little time every day in the garden, just like, oh, should this be here? Should this not be here? Should I tuck that? Let's let, let me scrog that out a little bit. You know, just those couple of minutes here and there. Um, that's the little things I like. It's not anything specific like harvesting or cloning or drying the best thing is obviously smoking it at the very end after a nice dry. And then like the best thing is after like a proper cure, you know, to get the full profile, but reaping what you sow is when I probably would get the most creative, like aspect, you know, is that first um, consumption. There are, there are times where it has, flowering when the plants are in flower when it will affect certain projects um i've done projects with people where i've drawn what their favorite strain is and plants and that aspect has definitely affected watching leaves all the leaves super praying and happy it yeah definitely affected uh i showed that one that has that background drawing that i have all that affected that that was my reference was like all the praying hands you know the praying leaves all the time yeah, it's, it's the little things, just, yeah. Time when you're not working, I guess. So uh, how has 
cultivation changed the way you feel about cannabis. For uh, a lot of people, at some point, once you've used cannabis for your life, one reason or another, it definitely changes uh, when you start cultivating how or has it uh, changed it all for you? Yeah, I encourage, I encourage, I encourage everyone to grow. Um, I think I, as a person, I have to have some form of activism in my life where I need to fight for like what I consider is wrong. There's some heavy stuff that like I have PTSD or stress or anxiety about that I can't necessarily be an activist for, but I can be an activist here in cannabis, which I really strongly believe in. And I really hate the stigma. And I, I don't believe people should be in prison. Like that's a huge one. Um, so I'm all down for uh, the legal market and recreational cannabis and dispensaries. And my mom was just in Vegas and I told her about Planet 13. And a couple hours later, she sent me a picture and she was in Planet 13. So that's super cool, right? But I will tell anyone, grow your own, like plant a seed. Because it's like the whole process is teaches you so many lessons right like you reap what you sow but baby in a little seed and a plant and you start to care for something having that nurturing ability like it's just every, there's a lot of positives um and there's a great community that can support you uh, and it will answer all your questions freely there's a, a it can be overwhelming how many information there is out there um uh, but there's also plenty of these people at different levels from advanced to whatever to guide you down there. So as uh, you stated earlier, you're kind of a, a little bit of a newer grower. How, uh, how was the information, uh, how did you perceive the information that was out there? as a new grower uh i talk about this a lot lately I, there's a lot of great information out there but i think uh there's a lot of super technical information out there that i think that kind of discourages you know a little bit you know growing uh it will grow this is a pretty yeah. hardy plant it's very no, durable I, feel, yeah. I don't think you like buying you know a light, I mean? buying a light can be overwhelming. Like, yeah, I can buy a tent, you know, the size and like an inline fan. But you get to buying a light and everyone's got a damn opinion about it. And uh, it's like, it's like coil versus rotary, throwing it back to what we were talking about there, you know. Um, so, and then you start diving into like all this, like, oh, okay, well, let me start comparing lights. And it is overwhelming. So yeah, I get totally what you're saying. The other thing is I really think having somebody in person teach you is the best because um, they can come over and like help you. Uh, I start, I did start from seeds, but I've also, you know, people gave me clones. So I started with like a, someone gave me genetics, 24 karat. That was the first strain that I pretty much grew and um gave to some people and they smoked it and they really liked it and i was like oh so i this isn't bad like it was also man you can't compete with fresh homegrown you can't period period fact like there's nothing like fresh plants um 
I don't want to smoke anyone else's weed. I'll smoke people's. And that's, I guess, you know, the caliber is coming from the, you know, 15 years in a traditional market. I didn't know what trash I was smoking. And that's cool. It, like sometimes it was a hit, sometimes it was a miss, but I didn't know. And then I came here and for a while I was like, oh, dispensaries, whoa, which are cool too. But um, man, the best weed I've ever had is the stuff like the Bigfoot Lodge. And it was just people giving it away. Hey man, will you try this? Will you try all seven of these? Um, yes, thank you. Would you like to sit down for a little bit? Yes. And then they'll whip out eight of more, like 13. And it's like, hey, try all these. And then somebody else shows up with five more strains. And, you know, 99% of it is fire. Um, it's crazy. So, um, yeah, that's another big push for for home growers and everyone is it's like the freshest it doesn't get much better but the, yeah you got to watch your conditions and you don't want to be having like there's problems with growing and i guess it goes back to it's it would be the most beneficial in my opinion to have somebody on site in person with some experience and i am very fortunate that that i had like two different experienced guys who were both in cocoa and uh, one of them had kind of like fucked up quite a bit so he had experience like trial and error through things so he's a great guy to talk about oh I haven't had, I honestly, I haven't really had serious issues at all so far. What type of cocoa are you running? Like a cocoa loco? You running straight cocoa? Yeah, I usually uh, use a straight cocoa. Um, I don't know. That's what I like. I was using canna, like the blocks that you should get, like you get up to the mail and then you rehydrate them. I would just fill them with nutrients and then go and it's easy to go. But I like uh, Royal Gold. Um, yeah, I like Royal Gold a lot. I have some stuff right now that my local shop just didn't have what I wanted. So I'm running some Perlite. But uh, yeah, I'm also, um, I think I, there's a lot of things I was doing in my garden. I'm adding more cocoa too. So I'm loading up my pots a little bit bigger more to yeah, you know, I'm gonna see if I can get some bigger plants and I'm not running as much. There was a point where my tent was cramped. I'm just gonna say that, like I wanted to grow everything. And I think growers might go through that, like early growers, is that there's a, especially if you're like me or other people who really, really love cannabis, is like, oh, I wanna grow this and I wanna grow that and I wanna grow this. And all of a sudden you're, you don't realize how big each one of these plants is gonna get. And you've got a four by four filled with 11 plants. and. <laughs> the yield is just not going to be good on any of those plants because they are fighting for everything else and they just can't get as much light to put out all that massive, you know, big flower. So I've, I've cut back a lot of that. Now I'm trying to run, you know, I am, I'm not at Stony. Like I, I know Stony and I like Stony. So I'm using for Emperor reference because he was on recently in a lot, but uh, using one plant in the tent. I haven't done that yet. I'd like to, but um, just the way my situation and what I have is limited. So it, I, yeah, I'm keeping, I'm trying to keep it like three or four in a tent, but in a rotational. So if I pull down something, then it'll be three plants for like two weeks. And that last week that's going to flower before I chop it, will have a, that extra light for that last two weeks, the way that I rotate things. I always find uh, myself the quads four plant system works very well yeah that's what i'm on i have an off-brand market light um which is something that i 
when people talk about lights, I don't always mention because it's not always the proper thing, but it's a huge ass 12 bar, 40 pound Chinese LED that covers everything. So it's nice, but it's supposed to be 650 watts. I only think it's putting like 450, you know. Um, it is what it is. I've had it for a while. It was cheap and it's done well for what it is, but um, I will be upgrading at some point, like definitely. And I think it'll make a big change. Um, yeah, I kind of want to try HPS. Like, I so, kind of want just want to get a thousand watt double ended HPS and just blast it. Oh, there's something to be said. I still run HPS. You know, oh, yeah. 4K yeah, right. right behind me, and then the LEDs. HPS still grows some fucking nice, big old dang buds. It's it ain't broke, so that's why it's still there. To be honest with you. <laughs> exactly for me it's like it's just the location and the heat and then we're coming into the warmth like i would have tried it earlier in the winter but right now the way that my grow space is like heat yeah heat can be an issue so um yeah i don't know we'll get to that point i guess it's working like you just said it's not broke i'm not gonna i got other shit i gotta take care of before yeah, like that light is working for me. That's doing a good job. Uh, and that's something I will tell like some early growers is it's okay to buy some cheap thing just to start out with. Because um, I've seen people invest and then tap out or they do one grow and they it's disheartening because there are obstacles that you have to deal with as a grower. But it's one of those lessons, the resilience. And that's something that I had to deal with later earlier when I mentioned I was like oh as an artist I was going to tap out recently I just I know a lot of my friends my good friends would tell me to fight you know people in this community would tell you to so that's something you got to learn as a grower you got to fight and um, take your licks if your garden screws up it's okay just get back up and go um, you know so there's so many damn good lessons about growing everyone should grow it's Cannabis, whatever, grow flowers, oh. grow a gar like any a, a vegetable garden, whatever, just grow something and care about it. I totally agree. I totally agree. Definitely takes another uh, turn when you hit the organic space and you yeah. do kind of get into the technical aspect of it. And man, it really um, it changes you as a person. You know what I mean? Deeply. Uh, can, and I know it sounds shitty, but you do kind of get kind of hippie-ish. You know what I mean? It opens up your heart, your soul. You kind of relate yourself to the plants and the soil. You know, it's It becomes very obvious once you start down that rabbit hole. Uh, but before I, I kind of get... Yeah, yeah, yeah get too crazy down the organics path because that's an easy one to ramble on there. I don't want to forget it. Uh, I grew in cocoa for a very long time as well. And uh, I hated any product that kind of came with the perlite because after a few runs it, it, it's not it's not soil. You know what I mean? You're not keeping that shit around forever and it eventually ends up somewhere most cases out in the yard and then you have perlite out in your yard so uh grow it general hydroponics they have a brand called grow it 
uh, cocoa. I used to bring it. I used the last cocoa I ran, and they said they sell a fine mix, which is uh, nice for most cocoa growers would enjoy that. But I chose to grow it. They have chunks, and you can buy them in the bricks, uh, like 10, 12 bucks for the bricks, and they're two, two cubic feet, and the other, the fine's 2.5. And you can either mix them together or either or, but uh, it it's chunky. I mean, like three-quarter inch chunks of cocoa. So it's a good replacement for perlite if you need to aerate your, your cocoa up a little bit. And you want to, you know, like I said, not have that perlite in there for yard reasons or whatever reasons. It's I never even thought about mixing cocoa. That's like such a good idea. And which is kind of like, have you ever tried Royal Gold? No, no. I was just, it kept, was catching my eye like right before <laughs> I switched to the organics there, but I liked it, man. And there's nice fibers there, somewhat chunky. I don't like that real fine, fine cocoa, man. Uh, no, I don't either. I, and again, I've always been a block guy because yeah, it's same. cheaper. I, you yeah. can store, you know what I mean? You can go buy a whole bunch of them, just stack them all up. It, I bought, uh, again, I think it was General Hydroponics at that point. Yeah. I hate to good bed but they had a, a fine super fine i went and bought you know i was new to the blocks and i was like i found a deal on those i was like i actually talked them down i'm like how much if i come in here and buy like you know, 15 you know i get you down from that 10 i got them down from 10 to 8 i know uh, i'm like yeah i'll take i'll take you know i got them home and it was my worst round ever, man. I went home, transplanted everything into it, and that shit just held the water. Just, I mean, just didn't want to, you know what I mean? I yeah. ended up throwing that shit into flour, and it just, like, stalled. I ended up actually having to go back and repot a lot of shit because it was just so cool. I threw a lot of that shit out. How many yeah, times do you like transplant? Like, how many times do you transplant in your cocoa? Yeah, I do it three times. Sometimes four, but usually it's just three. But I think it's good to, like, build up that root wall um, and then kind of have that middle one, not to just go straight into a big pot. I think the root wall helps a lot. I do, too. Has Uh, anyone... I just want to throw this one out because I learned as a new grower, when you transplant your pots into a smaller container take the container that you're you're going to transplant and put it in the pot and then fill it with soil and then pull that thing out because when you pull the roots out of this thing it fits perfectly in there man that was a really great trick that i learned recently um because usually you know you're digging in a hole that you're kind of guesstimating how it fills if you put the cup or the size in there and then just fill it up it's a perfect hole it fits and you have the extra to, to mash it down nice and gentle Uh, and another good thing about I've always liked about the up pot and cocoa was another chance uh, really smack them roots with some good microbes throughout its growth phase. Uh, I thought it was another good opportunity for the up potting through cocoa. I, and again, I did it so many. I do I, from soul cups to ones to threes to threes to tens. 
Yeah, I'm only I'm not in tens. Damn, those are like yeah. I need to get something big like that. I've never done big. Right now I'm in like fours. That's like yeah, four gallons, pretty much it. Um, I I want to do a big plant sometime. Um, I the whole plan was like buy a house because I'd like to get into like hugoculture beds and growing outdoors. I don't have any outdoor growing experience, um, and that's something that I'm very interested in. Uh, I will be, my, this is my mom's second time growing outside. I'm going down to visit her this summer. So I will, I'm coaching her through that. So I'm educating myself through the community um, just so I'm knowledgeable about it and kind of like coaching through her, but I get to go see her stuff. And then, you know, if you're around Southwest Michigan and you need to help in, in your location, let me know because I just want to, I'll help. And I, I just want to learn, you know, and see what it's like to deal with, you know, outdoor Um because it's something that is eventually the plan is yeah I, I don't as an artist who lives and works from home like yeah I'm a nerd and I'm a geek and I'm smart enough to live digitally and all that shit so I'm down to live off the grid pretty much and that was that's kind of the plan is I don't really want to be necessarily around people I'd like to just have my land and quietly live you know uh, that's cool with me uh, and I want to grow a lot of you know weed outdoors you know that's yeah sun grown and over the years you know that's why i I like the hugo culture bed is just i want to the whole permaculture like everything and and getting into your environment and uh like aquaponics is very interesting to me um there's a lot of stuff like technical and crazy like levels later for a whole homestead um and it's all very intriguing and and i like that lifestyle you know and and supporting yourself that way yeah i think that is uh definitely the you know kind of compost and all that good stuff but i to throw it like to bring it all the way back is it's kind of the way i grew up overseas is we've always had compost piles overseas. And most of the time where I grew up is we live in walled, like a lot of things overseas, but instead of having white picket fences, you have concrete walls that are like 12 feet high and there's glass in the top of them with barbed wire. Um, <laughs> but you have like some form of land so you can go out and do that. But there's also your traditional, like do it with your hands and the traditional cultures of all of that. And, and sometimes, you know, I grew up in cultures with like the mysticism instead of it being folklore, it's like that kind of stuff. And that all follows into that. So, uh, do you extract it all? Do you, uh, do any ash making or edible making with uh, the scraps. I mean, everything is usable in the plant. It's one of the things that uh, we thought it was a pretty incredible plant before, but now that it's becoming quasi-legal in a lot of places, man, we're realizing there really is no waste in the plant. The plant, the roots, you know, have medicinal process. The whole plant's got something you can do with it, so... That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so I guess 
Um, I guess I like, to, to be honest, I like traditional hash, um, traditional hash. Um, and when I came to the legal state, I thought that I could get, I had a misconception that I could walk into a dispensary and get every asset of things. I could get traditional hash and I could buy a Keith if I wanted to, you know, um, or like sift or whatever, you know, I could buy rosin. Uh, but no, you go in there and it's mostly, it's just not that, like they don't have that available. It's flour and concentrates, solvented concentrates, which is fine. I, I'm down, like I like PHO that's done really well. I think like the flavor is amazing. Shout out to Pergroli, geez, like I had some lime skunk at one of the events and geez, right? Um, and he provides test results and all that stuff. But I am, a, I like solventless. I like hash rosin um i have a washing machine like that one homemade stuff so i've gone through that whole that i'm a big frenchy cannoli fan um rest in peace um and that whole thing so yeah i do i have a two and a half ton manual press um so i i don't lately i haven't done anything but i do or have made my own personal solventless rosin I've done um, frozen, like whole plant fresh frozen. I've also done cured. I've experimented with a lot of jar tech, different kinds of things in that world, which I enjoy. Um, so yeah, but I don't, I'm not like a processor and I don't do anything. And I, I do have the fortune of, uh, you know, the good fortune of working with uh, clients who are processors. So I've done, I think I have one around here. I've done a lot of labels. Um, this is a label I've completely designed. Uh, it's vanilla chem. So it's a little like cookie chem creature, happy space guy. Um, yeah, fresh pressed live rosin. Um, so I get to, I get to know people and I get to ask questions. This is a tamper proof. So like it's sealed. Um, but yeah, I get to, and this is like, I've done a couple of these. I have a lot of regular people that I work with. Um, and there's going to be a lot more in demand now, uh, cause I do some events too. And I, like I said, I work with a lot of these people. So yeah, I love, I love rosin. I love hash. Um, I love BHO, like I'll dab, you know, I was going to do a big dab on here. Uh, but I, I just didn't, and that's fine. Um, but I had a big dab right before I came on. <laughs> Um, is Black Dog Kush, which is really good. It's a very blackberry, terpy, um, yeah, very delicious. You don't, do you dab that often? Do you, you know, yeah. A little bit. I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I went through a fad during the show here where I, you know, was dabbing pretty heavy, obviously, the dabs on, uh, and then it, for one reason or another, it just kind of fizzled out. I don't know why. Uh, I do. Fuck. I, I actually have. Fuck. I have some Kiwi Delight here, uh, which is. Oh, this, Kiwi. Uh, I know Kiwi. Blueberry. Yeah. yeah. From Bigfoot. Uh, I got this way Bigfoot. And it's still, there's got to be at least half a gram in there. Easy. That's how I was recently. And then uh, shout out to DP. He gave me a rig, like a proper rig with a recycler 
and or a recycler and um a blender with pearls and shit so i have to smoke it and um i had a lot of stuff like that i had this collection that i've been saving for a while and i just basically cleared through it since i since i you know you probably smoke so much as i do i do think that the delivery system or yes i believe that the delivery system is enough of a variance so if you vaporize cannabis compared to doing a gravity bong, compared to smoking a bong, compared to smoking a joint, compared to uh, just a normal hand pipe, I think that all one of uh, like, it's a little bit different, I think. Um, and then you get into solvents and it or concentrates and it gets uh, even more of a dynamic, like broad spectrum. So uh, I like to, and then, yeah, RSO, Pico, like that's a whole nother thing, edibles. Um, and uh, I change mine up. I change my delivery system up and what I have throughout the day to maintain, I don't know, the full peak, you can say, um, of high level. Um, yeah, I really, I guess I do ride the ether. I've been taking a bong rip every time I stop talking. So, yeah, I usually smoke quite a bit. Nothing wrong. No, no, exactly. That's Nothing that's wrong. how it goes. Um, it's also a smoking show, so uh, trying to keep up with everyone in chat. So, trying uh, kind of relating back to the many devices there, other than uh, source material, I think uh, the only person I've ever really heard speak to this. Uh, of, you know, publicly is a cascading room and his talking about uh, the different effects of the joint as it burns down, uh, that being temperature, uh, which explains a lot because I, you know, I gave out the, the bottles there. I don't know if you've ever seen the little green bottles. I gave out some of my version of the NPS. Uh, these bottles. Oh, I got a... I got this awesome. Seen that, this <laughs> is like I don't know. I think I got the best. Like one, I want one of your shirts. Like your shirts are super cool, and I think that's Kazoo's drawing, which is awesome. I, I don't I forget who did this, but shout out to this artist as well. Um, but man, this I grew some drew that. Yeah, shout out to I grew some. This is an awesome, like so well done mug. Yeah. You know, uh, the squirrel is uh, in a reference to that when we're talking you kind of take off in another direction there that's the that's the squirrel but uh kind of referring back to what we're talking to is uh i hated i made a bunch of these here devices and slapped some show stickers on them and passed them out and what a lot of people even myself couldn't believe you know basically because you just put a joint the end of it there and then how much higher you would get off of smoking the very same joint just through the bottle you know what i mean and i think it comes down to just like temperature and when it comes yeah. to the source material uh 100 different temperatures have different effects. pull an old school and go buy an or like get an orange and cut a freaking hole through it you know what i'm saying to make a bubbler out of an orange put some tin foil on there and like just smoke like you're freaking 13 or whatever one smoking through an orange is a delicious thing but the whole like it's going to be nostalgic for you it's going to be a completely different 
delivery system. Honestly, if I'm like having a bad time or I need to de-stress, sometimes I'll hotbox the bathroom. I'll straight up just like turn on some hot water and steam the shit out of it. And I'll just like, just get super high in there. And um, like away from the world, just so I can like take a minute to break down or not break down, but um, like just enjoy myself. It's why not? It's fun. But the, that whole thing, like rain, listening to like the sound of water and then the temperature difference and the pressure change with like, I think that that's a totally different high. Then you come out of the bathroom and there's the, your whole body changes temperature. Like you get colder and um, you're breathing oxygen. The oxygen level is changing. So you're, you're probably getting hit with like, I think oxygen can, um, here's a fun fact. My brother is like in the medical field. And at one point he had some oxygen tanks for some reason. And I was drunk and I hung over and pure oxygen will almost like, it makes you feel way better. I'm not a medical professional or anything. So I don't know the science behind that, but it adds to this like, oh, hot box a bathroom and then walk out. Like it's a different high than if you would have smoked the same thing in the normal room. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, weirdo, I'm an artist. Like I'm, and I'm unapologetic unapologetic for being weird the weird people are my team my crew um and i've got your back forever be weird yeah i definitely agree i have uh on my knee uh misfits oh yeah oh yeah oh it's all black that's a serious tattoo oh god sorry it's like uh yeah, I have I have the words wabi sabi tattooed on my toes, and wabi sabi is a Japanese philosophy that true beauty is imperfect beauty, and it's there to remind myself and others. So, um, yeah, I I was talking to somebody recently, but a lot of the people in the cannabis world are people who who have struggled, or they they. I, I use the term broken toys. I don't think that's like necessarily appropriate, but a lot of people are, are humble and understanding and empathetic because they've also struggled with things. And there's been stigma around cannabis, especially the people who've been using it for a long time to use it as, as medicine, which it is. And I firmly believe that it's medicine. Uh, and I treat my own stuff. I'm not on any pills. I don't take any uh, prescriptions. I, I treat my insomnia which is pretty much cured with fico and rso and i maintain my mood and like all that by smoking weed and not worrying like it helps my anxiety and all that and outside of a legal illegal state that's what you know it sucks that it's still illegal everywhere unfortunately and it sucks that people have to live that way it's uh super nice that you can smoke freely yeah rambling i'm doing pretty good Definitely. i think on this episode like usually i'll go off all over the place but i've kept pretty pretty in line i think oh man this has been a great episode jet said and not to dry your eye and chatter jet has said very much how they've enjoyed this episode yeah i haven't honestly through. i'm not gonna watch it back i can't watch myself on camera i just can't at least not now and um, bringing it back to when I was talking about critiques, it's, it's, it's anxious. Even if um, I, 
I'm my own worst enemy as an artist. And I think that's what makes good artists sometimes is that I, everything that somebody might say to me as a critique, I've already said it to myself. I've dissected my art. I, I, I learned later as an artist, I shouldn't point out my mistakes. So I don't, but there, I definitely know what they are. And even if people don't, even if somebody thinks my art is wonderful and they're thinking the best, I'm thinking the worst about my art, regardless, you know? So uh, thank you, chat, and shout out to all you guys. I love you. I'm not going to watch this back and read your chat, um, but I feel the love, and I'm, I'm sending it right back out. So kind of back to the art thing a little bit there. Uh, do you ever bury things in your art? Uh, um, a little maybe initials or something that uh, you – during that the, the, like, the interview process – you picked up on a little <laughs> you kind of buried, you know, something in there to see if they picked no. up on to it. Honest, no, I never have. I never um, have. I've never, I've never hidden my initial into anything. I've never. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not my. There are. There's actually times where I've seen things, and it's like I got. I, I'm honest about it. I got drawn things that look like a dick. I drew swords, a reign of swords, like a crown of swords, which is badass, right? However, I made the handle like a ball and then a, a, the pummel or the, whatever that is, the handle, and then the thing with two balls and then the sword. So it looked like a bunch of flying dicks. Like when you, when you point it out, that's what I said, I don't point out the mistakes because once you see it, you can't fucking unsee it. So I look at this like crown of raining swords on this badass piece and all I can see is fucking flying dicks. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I try not to like one, just personally and two, it's most of my compositions are pretty well thought out or I spend a bit of time in it. I don't know. It's weird. I feel like I don't want to be caught. That's why I probably wouldn't do it. Like I'm somebody who stays in the lane pretty much. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I don't have any, like, uh, I'm a proponent for uh, getting people out of prison. When I was younger, I had a run in with like the law, nothing violent or crazy, but I went to jail for like overnight, right? I got booked basically. And that whole thing changed my life to be a proponent is it's a horrible experience and people don't need to go through that. And uh it changed my life is like, I don't lie. I don't steal. And I'm also an open book. Whatever you ask me, I'm going to give you an honest question because like what you said earlier, when you die, you only have what you have. I'm agnostic. I don't believe in whatever, but uh, when I die, I just want to have a good conscience of myself. Like I don't want to die with regrets and I don't want to die with guilt and shit. So, or, or, or secrets. I don't like the weight of secrets. So I just, yeah, I keep all of that shit. And um Luckily, I, I'm fortunate to not have ever had a run-in with cannabis and the law in Virginia because Virginia polices the hell out of Northern Virginia. It's a very, like, police state. Because um, you're by, right by the government, like, D.C. So I, I get it. But um, it's just crazy, like, how it can ruin people for an unnecessary reason. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to believe in the same country. You know what I mean? In, yeah. in the same freaking country, there's still places that are being cultivated. It's on, I, yeah. You know, 
Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, you know, I, I, I was just going to say a little bit back to the, the uses as well, how some states can just limit it to <laughs> medical and even further down to, like, say, oils and stuff like that. And I am a big component. I say it all the time. I really, truly, truly believe it. You kind of said it yourself. Uh, in the damn world. The biggest weight. I must have been really lagging there for a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me uh, kill this. Maybe this will help. Sorry. I think my internet. Uh, I, really I really believe that uh, the cultivation side of it all is the biggest mess. Or the better part of it. Which is, you know what I mean, ironic because you're not really even <laughs> consuming at that point. I mean, at some point you're you're using the medicine, but it, I think it's equal. It's the it's the it's the micro and the macro of the whole element, and then the whole season of like bringing it to fruition. So it's like Christmas, right? Like you set this term when it's going to be done flowering, and that's a random Christmas or birthday or the same kind of special occasion that you would imagine yeah it's yeah growing it's amazing i don't ever want to stop growing i definitely want to like i said encourage everyone that i can to to grow as much as they can even even uh, like if you're talking about caregivers like yeah patients they sign their rights over and that's unfortunate because they probably can't grow but i'd still encourage that person to like have a house plant you know, maybe even if you could give your patient a house plant, and there's plenty of house plants that don't need like a lot of care, you know, but just something that they can watch flourish over the time. And like, it's nice to have living things in your house. Well, that's kind of the beauty right now of uh, Michigan, because in most cases, they can still grow for themselves. They can sign over to a caregiver and then they're allotted their 12 recreational plants they can grow for themselves. I didn't know exactly how that. That's excellent because that's actually, even as a caregiver, you can be, you can have yourself plus five and then your legal 12, only 12 per house, but they have to be in a separate area. And, you know, which again, kind of, which is really fucked about. I'm, that's my like one my bugaboo on, med, on cannabis is the medical recreational. They're trying to get there. rid of. I mean, because here in Michigan, phased out. That's just the goal. I think in the end for them, it's just to phase it out. Unfortunately, um, but I don't think it will. Honestly, and I uh, have confidence in that because there's so many good people fighting uh, for the caregivers. That it, it's not going down, period. It's just like it's they won't let it. It's, there's too much heart behind it. Well, there's just a, a lot of different angles to it, to be honest with you. Um, say first first things first, right where I left off. Michigan here, recreational versus medical. Caregiver, no caregiver. Uh if you're deciding or calling it medicine, you call uh, you grow your 12 plants and you're calling it 
your medical room, you are limited very tightly in numbers, usable cannabis you can have, okay? You take the same room and it's now your recreational grow and you're allowed to have as much cannabis as you can grow. Yeah, it's no. fucked up. That's He's talking up. about all the, the people that have been, honestly, they, uh, you hear so many people, one of the big arguments is smell in the summer from townships like, oh, it smells like weed. I, my bet is that a lot of that is recreational growers and uh, who can grow whatever they want and it's just the season and it's like they're right anyway. It's not the caregivers who have been operating before that that you don't know about. It's the recreational people that you're getting mad about and that's just how it is. Like, uh, yeah. That, that applies exactly to the last wife at the medical caregivers who are feeding the black market. Any medical grower that's really, you know, they're considered yeah. of their numbers in a lot of ways. They're perpetual mm-hmm. growers to help kind of keep numbers down. And I really believe it is the recreational market that it has been responsible for that huge influx, as the yeah. governor likes to say, of, you know, cannabis into the black market. Yeah. And it's a medical It's, it's going to happen regardless. Like, as many people have already stated that in current guidelines, the people who are doing that, they're already stepping out of the boundaries of what a caregiver is. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, they should be, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, man, I don't even care if they should up the plants of recreational. You should be able to grow 50 plants. You should be able to grow 100 plants. I don't care. Um, it's not crazy. And, and that's one, okay, so I make tincture. I like to I, I like to do everything involved in the plant, like you said, making it. So I do MCT oil and I do coconut oil. Um, and I make a wide range of different kinds of things for personal consumption and all that. But I gave my neighbor just pure tincture, just pure MCT oil. And I was like, just have a drop. Like, uh, don't, and I like MCT oil because there's nothing in it. Um, and um, I know I was a bartender for a long time and I, did, I bartended while I tattooed to kind of get through the apprenticeship and everything. And I, I probably at one point may have been an alcoholic. So I don't ever want to give somebody being somebody who is also recovering from something like an alcohol based something without telling them. Um, but she came back the next day and she's like, that's the first time I've ever slept like more than three hours in like five years. And this is an elderly lady. Like, I don't want to get her super stoned and I don't want to freak her out about shit. But that's what I want. That's what, like, oh my God. Yeah. That's what, like, yeah, I grow weed. I don't need to, like, get stoned or anything like that. I just, it can do things. Um, you know, I got to shout out Skillbo and the rollerball. I, I didn't think that, like, subdermal, like, lotions, like, bombs or anything. I've always been super skeptic- skeptical about that. And uh, I heard everyone raving about these rollerballs. So I've tried one. And um, I don't know. I've had two back surgeries. Just um, I wasn't in like injury, injured or anything. I just had a, a, a degenerative disc. But um, that that in RSO, like those are my medicines. My pain, my daily pain is like rollerballs. And it's 
it's within 15 minutes, it's cured and it lasts anywhere for between two and four hours of relief. If you have a migraine, you put it on your temple and it goes away. It blows my mind. My brother is a doctor, like he's not a doctor, but he works medically. And I gave it to him and like, he gives it to his doctor friends. And there, yeah, that it yeah. says a lot. Yeah, it does. It says a lot to me too. Um, so those are the things I'm talking about. Sorry, go ahead. I would use some of them. I used one before the show. I'm back when I, to be honest with it. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, dude, Looks it's good. crazy awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, it's cool to like get high and ride that creative wave and be funky and groovy. It's cannabis is a very wide spectrum. It's a huge encompassing world of so many people and everything. Um, so it's good to just be open to all, it all and remember like we're all the same, you know, in that regard. We all love cannabis. So we all got the same things in common. Oh, yeah, and what I guess another kind of not to beat the shit out of that medical thing is uh, again, I've already kind of seen it in some ways. I was talking about this uh, a week or two ago. Say, uh, Georgia right now has just medical cannabis and it's an oil only, basically, type situation. They were uh, licensed out six six licenses to grow and produce the oil. No takers. Nobody wants it because there's no money. So, yeah. Yeah. So they've already are in trouble with their oil and they're outsourced. They were outsourcing for quite some time and now same thing with their outsource. You know, they're finding the supply state by state are kind of dwindling or Cannabis is being reused in other markets, or it just isn't there. Nobody wants to mess with it because of you know they can make more money in the legal. Oh yeah, I come from DC. Just like the when I moved two years ago, I moved to Michigan and I saw that it was ranked sixth out of the fifty states in the like cost of living. And I believe I moved from Northern Virginia, which is like the top 10. And it's, you buy a townhouse for like $650,000, like a townhouse. And you're buying single family houses for, you know, 900 to a mil. It's like, okay, no thanks. Not going to happen. Can't do that. Um, so I can definitely understand all of that. It's really unfortunate. And it goes back to the same thing. Like I thought I could go to a dispensary and I could get hash and I could get this and I could get that. But uh, there's all these silly um, bureaucratic red flags in the way and red tape and tape all over the place from people who don't understand cannabis. And that's the unfortunate thing. They still, there's a lot of people who still think it's way intense, you know, and the whole like concentrates free people out. Um, I think that there definitely needs to, to be an appropriate attitude about it. I, I don't think this is the crowd that I have to talk about that. I think everyone who's watching this is really um, like, it's like drinking. No one's there being like, hey, take this shot, take this shot. I, I think that some of us for sure would be like, oh yeah, take a big bowl rip. Like we're all adults here. But 
I think when you're starting out with like uh, an elderly woman or a new smoker, a younger new smoker, even like start them out slow. Don't blast them because you don't also don't want them to have a bad experience or, or scare them away. Um, something that I forget about is that I don't take a tea break. Like I don't stop smoking ever. I haven't for years. When you stop for a little bit and then you start back up like those first two or three sessions, if, you can get really high and, it, and like green out or it can be very uncomfortable. And you're like, why do I do this? Like, this isn't fun. <laughs> so um, loading up somebody with like a concentrate or like a really heavy thing, I would just would don't do that. Bring them in slow, like bring the newbies in slow, warm them up. Um, I think that's a proper attitude for just substances in general. I, I'm going to be at um, like shameless plug. Um, I'm going to be at spread the spores this weekend, um, vending. And that's kind of hosted by like kind of decrim nature, Michigan. Um, it's a, like a mushroom thing and that's in Kalamazoo. If you're interested, you can check it out on my Instagram page. I'll be there. But I, yeah, I believe that there's lots of healing and destigmatization that still has to go on. And yeah, all that stuff. There's tons of plant medicine, alternative medicine that is treated. It just needs to be. And I like I'm Astro Charlie. I am like a guy of science. Like I like all that shit. I'm a nerd. And if things need to go through whatever approval to get a normal person and to get better treatment for their life, that's fine. Like if it has to be through the recreational market, so be it. I'm, I'm like, I'm wearing a shirt. This is black market on it. But as long as somebody's getting help, I don't care. Like... <laughs> And at the end of the day, I'm not going to maybe support it and I'm not going to talk about it and thing, but I'm also not going to hate on you at all. Like you got to do what you got to do to do better. And I, I wish you the best in whatever needs taken care of to feel better. Without you hurting other people, like <laughs> there's obvious caveats to the rules. How do you feel about... Uh psilocybin for anxiety and whatnot. Uh, I, I feel it's definitely a good tool emerging. And I, I kind of think it's no, no coincidence that cannabis and psilocybin and holistic medicines are kind of pushing themselves back into the forefront. But how do you feel about uh, psilocybin for anxiety and all that good stuff? I'm all for it. Um, personally, I don't take it that often. Um, I, yeah, just personally, but um, I do, I have, um, I like, I very much like the idea of microdosing to the point of you not feeling the effects per se, but just taking a micro amount here and there. I think that it can do wonderful things. My brother's wife, my sister-in-law, she, um, works with a lot of Alzheimer's patients. And I think that like, just like the lion's mane mushroom and like other psychedelic mushrooms um, can do a lot with the brain. Um, my girlfriend, Natalie Bradford art, she, a lot of, she's trained as a fine artist collegiately. And a lot of her traditional work deals with memories. And uh, she does vintage art. Um, shout out to Lobster. I don't know if he's here, but he's going to hook us up with some vintage High Times magazines. 
um because all of her material is like original sourced vintage magazines that she cuts them out we got some like old playboys the other day to get like women um for collages so i think that i think that um all of that can contribute healthily like um to brain health to anxiety to the way we shape and that goes to science um something somebody showed me once that I really didn't think about, but it was an analysis of the brain over time of people who consume different drugs. Like they took a cocaine addict and an alcoholic and somebody who had just smoked weed and everything. And they looked at their brain and the stimulation over the years and then compared it at the end. And to say that substances and chemicals does not affect your brain would be like untrue, unfortunately. Like it can physically alter your brain. Um, and I think that mushrooms or that realm is kind of like the connecting or like the band-aid or the healing aspect of that world um, that we haven't tapped into and i think is a great benefit to any form of like life addition i think that um you, what do they call it uh like a godly dose like i think if you need to take a godly dose or you like taking big amounts i think definitely do that Coming from where I grew up, I'm down for ayahuasca and, um, you know, shamans and going on spirit journeys and uh, peyote and uh, sweat lodges and, and all the good, whatever you need to go and get that, the spirit journey. Um, but I also think on like a, a chemical level, it's scientifically, I believe it helps as well. And I, I look forward over the next decade, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of studies done. I definitely think there's a lot of value there. Uh, I've never done the ayahuasca, uh, DMT, uh, but I would the ayahuasca most definitely at some point if it were available. I'd like to take that journey. Uh, as far as the, the hero dose, I, yeah, I'm a believer, to be honest with you. I never really had thought about it. I had, Throughout my lifetime, I've taken large LSD. <laughs> be honest with you, and at one point, a nice bit of you know here and there. I put but, stuff in uh, my bag. <laughs> but never a large uh, dose of uh, mushrooms. But at one point, uh, and again, stoner, stoner fuck up, I guess. Uh, went from one night where I had been taking wet truffles, basically, philosopher's stones, and really good, and then had gotten some dry and weighed out the same wet dose that I was normally taking, and it turned out to be quite a strong hero dose. And probably one of the best, it was the best world, best worst moment in my life uh yeah it yeah. made me look in at myself see the things i didn't like about myself it made me see things but again i don't like to say the term see it was more of a download because it's not like i was under a blanket hallucinating you know what i mean uh nothing like that but uh, walking away from that intense moment definitely changed 
you know, uh, it way my thinking about everybody, you know, my place in this world. I started seeing angel numbers after that shit and followed, started following them. They were, they were so apparent. You know what I mean? There was no looking away. And, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an experience. To feel the visual stimuli, especially if somebody has an experience that, you know, it's serious. It's because uh, you'll even if you're on a medium dose, you're still getting uh, the best way I've always described it is you're getting like the time warp. So like strobe light effect, it's like doosh, 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 doosh. you're also getting like the swelling of things, um, visuals. And then you can go into like, yeah, the hallucinogenic aspect, which is always wonderful. And it oh, and many times it's just the uh, what they call it, the elimination of the ego. Right. So, yeah, I know a lot of people and I do agree and I've done it for sure is uh, like, yeah, once a year, just do it. It's good for you to reset, to wipe out like the consciousness. And it goes to what I said earlier is like, I don't lie or steal or cheat. And cause I want to live with like positive, like whatever I've done, I think that can kind of help eliminate everything as well. Like, because everyone goes to sleep. Unfortunately, we go to sleep and we think of the stupidest things. Like I waved at somebody, but I said, like, it was morning and I said goodnight to somebody. Those little stupid slip ups or things that don't matter at all that haunt us at the night. It, uh, it helps eliminate all that stuff and gets you the full reset. But you can start anew. And it, it goes to what I said about quitting smoking is moving. It's like, okay you can move like you can go to a whole nother you can be reborn like i don't necessarily like that word per se um because there's still aspects of you it's, it's just you refreshing resetting yeah i'm kind of it, it needs to be done occasionally that reset i definitely have talked and said the same thing and agree with what you said the once a year for sure. I've, I've said that almost my whole life. Yeah, you just, it's that self reflection, you know what I mean, to kind of keep you back in the balance. But uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, I wanted to shout out, um, I think she was on recently, Miss Vicious. Was she on recently? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to see her this weekend. And I also know that her account on Instagram is she's not getting it back. So if you follow me on Instagram, if you know Miss Vicious, go follow her new page. Uh, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but um, yeah, I, I hopefully we'll see her this weekend or this week on Friday at Spread the Spores in Kalamazoo. And uh, she, I, I think yeah. she'll also be doing a talk. It's that's a like more of an event where it's a full like educational. I don't even want to, they're the pros. So if you're interested in all that, definitely go check them out. Like they are the pros. She was a great lady and great guest. Uh, as well as uh, Pearly Baker was uh, within that week there. Another uh, psilocybin kind of uh, edibles maker there. Uh, hopefully she's there as well. Great it's people. It's, I, yeah, I'm it's, so excited uh, for that industry. Yeah, I thought I read right before I came in that uh, they were trying to move uh, the students against, I forget what it is, but they were moving to decrim all drugs and maybe it's Ann Arbor. I don't know. We'll have to see. 
But yeah, so it's coming. Michigan's an interesting state. It's pretty like nice about that. Um, like I said, the uh, the stuff by this week for the sports is speaker nature will also be there. And I'm excited to see that these events and, and uh, education going around all over the state. Me too. Me too. I'm looking up. Oh, I've got spring fever so bad. Michigan's got a, an amazing advanced season. I think second to no other state. Cali has some big events, but Michigan, it seems like once we get going, I, in fact, I don't think it, I don't think it died down. Yeah, it doesn't. With you. No, it doesn't. I, yeah. I do work with some event people, and um, there's always something going down for sure. Um, all over the state, north, south, east, west. Yeah, Michigan's awesome. Um, I did that last year. I basically went to like every event that could, I, every event I could go to, I went to. Um, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. Everyone's super friendly. The events are great. I understand that they weren't as big of the climate and everything that's going on however still awesome still great and uh that's another reason why i'm getting crazy busy as an artist is because everyone's like oh i need new art for my booths and i need this and that it's uh it's a it's awesome i'm also hopefully i'll be booking more booths so if you're around michigan uh hopefully if you see me come by like say what's up come by the booth up like i'll give you a pre-roll or something um Definitely, I like your opinion as growers, like what you think of my cannabis. And I always take some because I hope I run into a grower because I want to show you my starstruck. It's like watermelon candy or the Machiavelli, which is like blackberry, blueberry, yum yums. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't wait. And uh, these Michigan vents are pretty badass now. I, last year, I kind of dragged my feet about getting out for a few different reasons, but man, I ain't going full bore this year. I'm right there with you. I'll probably see you talk. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah, Hash Bash Cup is in like, I didn't, it's like what, next two weeks? Not this weekend, but the weekend after that. I think it's the first through the third of April. Oh, it's a second, yeah, April 2nd, usually somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there on Saturday. Saturday, April. Yeah. Uh, I'll be there Saturday. I'll be at the main of the place. Yeah, so definitely. I hope. Yeah, yeah. There's. It, it's like every other weekend, and there's multiple events every week. It's awesome. I just want to do actually, like the biggest uh, one is Luzerne. That's the one I want to go to. Is like that was the most fun. Was that camp out? Honestly, I'm gonna hit him up, George, up uh, tonight or in the morning be like we were talking about you last night <laughs> i tried to find him like i didn't want to tell like his name or whatever but i know who he is and i've been looking for him i made a spreadsheet of events because as an artist it's one me and my girlfriend are both artists and we like the community and we do cannabis art and i don't necessarily push logos there but we just want to be a part of the community and hang out and offer cool art to people um so i have a big spreadsheet of events and that's the one that's like i've looked for his events and his i've even gone to the event right like because he has the old events listed but they haven't like re-updated a new one but i can't find them on instagram anywhere i will send you his uh instagram yeah because i um i work with event people and i'd be happy to assist with any design like for advertising or whatever and i also 
haven't mentioned it because it's like my normal stuff but i usually i specialize in print and garments as well as like i know people who do large format printing so if anyone ever needs stuff like that let me know me soon because it's the busy season man I, that event was awesome man that last event in particular they've all been good up there but that last one was really good especially uh did you have an, we we had uh another vendor that goes from uh event event uh jenny green thumb 710 michigan wildflower who were but, uh, vending out there i don't think uh, so they they uh as soon when the night was over he busted out uh well she said early in the day man she's like yeah we're need to need to probably get his guitar out we're like oh yeah that'd be cool that'd be cool and then man he busted out that guitar and fucking played he played like three hours fucking what was it friday night and then saturday night fucking did an encore performance of like an hour and a Oh, hell yeah. And it was fucking just nothing short of magical. You know, all your, your smoking buddies hanging around, smoking by yeah. the campfire. It was, it was funny because like, it, we, there was, you know, a good 20 of us right there. And then the next thing we know, you know, mid, especially Friday night, mid, mid, you know, we look around and like he had drawn a crowd. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it was, it was a it was a great crowd. It because it wasn't overcrowded. Um, I don't know what it was, man. Like there's a it's a magical forest, it's the Bigfoot Lodge. What can you say? It doesn't get like that's yeah. kind of what uh what we what I've talked about quite a bit and uh same with uh Stony there is we would like to like just rent that campground. And uh, have just like music and eat suggested arts, which would be hand in hand. Uh, just like come, you know, bring your bring your guitar, whatever you got a band. Have a couple of areas where you could maybe set up for a few different people, and just let it flow. You know what I mean? Just let everybody smoke and camp. And the best time, the best part of Bigfoot, in my opinion, was the daytime was cool. You know what I mean? But when yeah. everybody shut down and it was the campfire, that's the best fucking time. Yeah, because it's one of those vendors can, like, that's the other thing, is that at some event like that, I don't mind just laying my art out on a table and walking away. Like, I trust everyone. At normal events, I gotta be at my booth. And, and even if somebody, like a good friend, comes by, just I'm still working. So yeah, the early mornings and the late nights, because I get up early, I'm an insomniac, I don't sleep that much. And I, with my back problems and, the, and sleeping on the camping or whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, I get up. Um, yeah, no, that was a great time. I also like that it's over multiple days. It's not short. You can, if you don't have the time to see somebody, then you're going to see them the next day. And um, it also rained a lot. I don't know. Yeah, you, I'm sure you remember. And so you end up huddling with people in tents and you end up close to people you don't know. Like, um you know meeting smiley you know was very cool and he's a big guy like i didn't expect him to be that tall right um and then it's like oh okay super nice guy like the nicest guy ever i know everyone knows 
But um, yeah, you end up in like weird situations. The other great thing, but man, is putting faces to the name um, in chat because it. It's, I know, like Stony. Stony said it that he like we always want to hang out, but the art bending and stuff. And he's playing bands. Shout out to Catachronic, you know. Um, so it's everyone's fighting for some time. And at the Bigfoot, you get those two nights, three days. You get there early, stay late, whatever. But you get the time to actually have meaningful conversations with people. Um, and man, you'd be surprised how many people from Chatter there. <laughs> it's like big groups of people and you know everyone and everyone is the same so it's like hanging out with old friends it is i you can't even describe it any event that anyone in michigan if you can get to an event and hang out with eagle and his crew or any of the groskies in chat like do it don't sleep drive a couple hours take the day off from work it's worth it it'll change your life for the better we have a few in chat a martial artist that weekend, man. He drove fucking 13 fucking hours straight to come hang out at Bigfoot. Man. Yeah, Indica, <laughs> Indica B and his wife drove like 20-some from Massachusetts or whatever. And um, I think they picked a VP in Chicago. So they went like past where they were supposed to go and then came back. That's bananas. Yeah, shout out to the real ones. And they get it. I, there's just so much love. Um, there really is. And uh, you'd be surprised how easy it is to talk to people because it's you, you've been talking to them for years now. A lot of us, right, have been hanging out or in chat for a long time. And um, it's like picking up right where you left off from last night. Sometimes you're like, hey, dude, I saw you on the fucking show. The other cool thing is like the shows, right? Because there's definitely people filming throughout the days. And all of a sudden, someone logged by. I, I was filming at one point for a live show. Maybe it was like Caribou. I forget. Um, but I was walking around with like a handheld tablet, just like filming the campground. There's all kinds of weird shit going on. There's flame, people spinning flames. Did you see that one night? All the flame yeah, spinners. That was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, good time. Yeah, I it's kind of good. out, man. I actually talked to one of the vendors. Up there today, my buddy Josh, I grew up with. That's another thing, too, is seeing people you've grown up with are still, you know, killing it in cannabis and making it a lifestyle still is really cool. But, um, damn, I scrolled what I was saying. Oh, what I missed out on Sunday. Fucking Sunday, they, that, they had... Uh, down the river thing they took everybody picked them up sunday dropped them off and you could tube down the river and then they picked you up and you could fucking go home or whatever did you do that did you do it i didn't know I, I, I was there oh. when everybody was leaving and shit and i didn't go but man i talked to my buddy josh there like the next day he was like, man you should have came it was so fucking fun i was like oh damn it i'm going to I remember, didn't they do something that night? There was one night at like midnight. Didn't they invite people down to some bridge to watch a boat race? And like all the police were up there. On, you don't remember? I swear to God. Uh, and maybe that was why there was a lot of river stuff going on that like weekend. But I swear somebody was like, it was literally like 11 o'clock at night. They're like, oh yeah, we're walking. We're going to drive a couple miles down to this bridge because there's like a midnight race. The fuck okay 
this is crazy. <laughs> um, I wish I would have stayed and, and I will definitely allocate more time um, to do it. I'll always try and be there as much as I can at events. Um, the other thing um, I try and do, if you do come and see me, is I always try and have some limited edition special stuff, like 50 special hand done cards or 25 special hand done cards. Like you give out stuff, that's what I usually give out is like limited edition um, art. And I give it out like, yeah, just come see me and ask me. That's the best thing. Otherwise, I give it out to a normie. I'd rather a grossy have it. It fucking always warms my heart when I see you, you know, people still using them cups and shit. Sure. Quality, it's good. Well, I like how you do it. Um, I I didn't even expect it. And you gave you were very yeah, generous to everyone you saw. You were like, here, dude, take a shirt. And then I remembered I was watching your show like the weekend after, and you had mentioned that you don't sell merch, you just give it away. Like, which I like. Personally, I got to sell some shit. I'm an artist. I make money off my stuff, <laughs> but um, I still like I, I still like to give things away, and I like that. That's how you do it. Um, it always means a lot more if it's personally done. You know, uh, one thing I do that I think you may appreciate, or I, is I try to limit, you know, the numbers. So, like, say you got a T-shirt up in fucking Bigfoot there, there's a chance that you'll never get that print again. You know what I mean? Or that shirt. You know, I do the next same event's thing. gonna be something. Yeah, I. Uh, I think I there's something cool about that. All my business cards, because I do print stuff myself. I uh, I should make it easier on myself. I really should. But every event I go to, like my business cards are different. <laughs> And I usually use a foil, so it's shiny. Like I've done pink, green, blue, like holographic. They're usually all like weird, funky, the crazy fun ones I can do. Um, yeah, I think it adds to it a lot. Uh, I just did badges. Okay, so here's the cool thing now is I can do these mats. I figured out how to do dad mats, right? These are prototypes, um, very cool whatever. I don't want to really plug this shit, but um, I do these vendor passes for events. This is one I did. Um, and I don't know if you can see, but it's actually, they're all hand embellished. I only did 50 or so, but each one has different um, silver paint. And then I went in and did the stars in white um, by hand. Um, so that's stuff I like to do for an event coming up. I'm going to be doing probably posters that are limited edition hand signed by me and then hopefully i haven't done i do so much with clients and other work that i rarely have time for my own brand as astro charlie and um, something i'd like to do very soon is shirts because i before i went full freelance my like most prior art job was i managed i office managed and i was like the main artist for a screen printing shop so I have a lot of experience in like clothing and how to like design that and work in it. So I'd like to do a pre-order of shirts sometime soon. I think that's good because I don't really want to manage inventory, but those will be limited edition. Like, yeah, everything I do is always limited edition. Um, and I really, I'm not going to do something two years down the road and reprint it. I really, I, I don't 
like I won't do it. I'm just it's printed and then I have it and it's done. Um, and I usually try and like give something if if I do shirts, I'll include tags that are hand side and label and dated, just because. It's something from art, like as a tattoo artist, here's the screwed up thing. Your portfolio, you don't own, like you do a tattoo and it goes away. Someone's like, hey, can I see your like tattoos? Like, I don't have any. Technically all my tattoos are out in the world. Um, you finish your piece and it looks amazing and you get about 30 to 40 minutes and then hopefully your client is close to you so you can see it again, but very often it's not. You're never gonna see your tattoo again they're not going to follow up with you or send you pictures so it can be weird all you have is that one it's freshly done picture sometimes uh so i like the limited edition i like to have things that mean something like that and not a corporate per se mass-produced art yeah i still try and keep the, the traditional handcrafted aspect to everything i do yeah and I'll probably print the shirts myself, to be honest with you. Like, so you're actually getting like me pushing the ink into the actual shirts and all that good stuff. That's a quality shirt there. Good press shirts too. You know, as far as one, want to relate back to the tattoo thing. Respect if you want, you've paid the money. Hopefully you paid the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? You didn't try to cheap out. Cheap is cheap when it comes to tattoos. Another advice I'd like to throw out as far as tattoos, second guess that walk-in. A lot of times, if you walk, if you can walk right in that place and they're going to get you right in. It depends. I've had some stuff. like uh, very, <laughs> One very common thing is tattooing, and it's so annoying, is the flaking. You will have so many cancellations. It's, an, it's crazy. Tattooing, like dealing with the customer service aspect. That's why I said it was kind of hardened up, but I didn't mention this aspect. Like you deal with price shopping a lot, but you also deal with no shows. So I've reserved you for the time slot. We've had a full consultation. I've booked an eight hour. I've booked my entire day open for you. And then you no call and no show me. And then you'll reschedule and they'll do it again. And I get it. It's permanent. It's on your body. It's a lot of money. It's scary. It's this and that and that and this. But um, the amount of people who do not follow through with tattoos is higher than most things, I would say. Yeah. So um, I, I do agree with you. Apprentice tattoos, they are what they are. That you should understand. I'm down for apprentice tattoos. Like, ah, whatever. I don't care about my body anymore. As long as it looks okay or it can be fixed. <laughs> um, but I, because I know I've, sometimes you'll get lucky. I don't know. I had one of the guys at the shop who I really like, and if you could get a walk-in with him, like, yeah, it, it's just, and sometimes it happens and he would do the simplest stuff. It's like, you don't know who's tattooing you, you know, he's doing like the apprentice, just the letter, like simple letter. Like I'll do three of them in 15 minutes. You guys are all getting the same name. Okay, come on. Da, 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 done. When this guy is a full, crazy, amazing black and gray artist um yeah research the shop and know your i don't know just do a little research i guess and don't do it when you're drunk alcohol thins your blood <laughs> alcohol thins your blood it's not about poor decisions it's not about stuff like that it's about the 
tattoo, the word tattoo just means applying ink into your skin. That's what it means. And um, if you want the best tattoo, you want work that's good. Uh, because your blood is thin, it's not going to heal properly. It's not going to take properly. Um, there's a lot of aspects to that. Plus, your like decision making is whatever. I don't really care. I've been drinking while I've been tattooed. Um, I've been after hours on the shop, and I've made plenty of poor decisions. So I'm not going to tell you what to do. But really, if you want good work, all because all the drunk tattoos I have are. are the skin is busted where it's done and, and generally the artist was also the drinking and that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. But I do uh, so, like cannabis. I don't know. Oh, the other thing that you don't realize is like stimulants. I used to drink soda and coffee in the morning and I had to cut that shit out because you can't pull, I couldn't pull a straight line. Like just naturally my body without thinking about it chemically, it was shaking. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was weird. Like, yeah. So I did I digress from my point a little bit there. Uh, so you paid the money, hopefully, like I said, good tattoo. You didn't question it. Uh, you fucking, he did a nice job. And you wanted to fucking look beautiful for life. So respect your artist, respect yourself, and take perfect aftercare of that. I think that's where a lot of tattoos go wrong too. Is people walk out and they just want to show it, walk right out in the sun, go swimming, you know what yeah. I mean, and then come back to the artist. And, look, it looks so good. Well, you didn't listen to the fucking instructions. You didn't take proper care of it. You didn't stay out of the sun for two weeks. You didn't, oh, yeah. you know, let it heal. You went swimming. You know what I mean? It's on you. Take the proper care, and it will look beautiful for a lot long exactly yeah uh, it matters um the other thing i was going to mention this earlier sometimes an artist will tell you that traditionally it doesn't work out is a, my, a very common reference i use is a rose on your forearm does the rose face uh you know does the rose face here is the rosebud here or is the rosebud here what does people want some people want the rosebud here so that they can see it technically that's wrong in like the tr traditional tattooing school that's wrong because if i'm looking at you it's an upside down rose and there's rules about heads like if you're gonna get an uh, a wolf head on your shoulder the head should face this way the, the head should not be facing backwards um and that's those are the worst mistakes i see like those are the ones that like hurt me where it's a good tattoo, but there's just this simple flawed, you mentioned it early and it was it's the perfect way to say it. It's the movement of your body and applying the body as an artwork. There's a lot of weird rules like that about how things should be placed. However, the client wants it. That's fine. If you want the rosebud to face you, but somebody, an artist should like be knowledgeable and tell you that technically that's upside down redesigned so that it's seen by others not seen by you um because you wear it do you you forget you have tattoos right like you're over it right yeah me too until i get in public and i see people yeah. fucking I, yeah when, yeah 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 I, I got you. <laughs> dude i know i noticed it right before yeah um 
you have a lot of tattoos and and i have to like and that's one of the things i noticed i was like oh this guy has toes and and feet tats and um i'm the same way and i'm almost <laughs> in the same way that you are it's like i have a lot more work on my legs my i worked at a private club when i bartended and i tattooed and i don't have any tattoos on my arms i don't um because i've been waiting to full sleeve it all out like one time you just you know what i'm saying um and I used to work in a suit and tie and I would go to the tattoo shop and that was part of my like gimmick, right? Cause I'm, I'm part of this weird circus now. Um, <clears throat> my last name is Covert. And that was like what I went by as an artist for a long time. It's my last name. Um, I don't look my age. I don't look like I'm from Africa. I don't look like I tattoo. I don't look like a bunch of things. And so Covert fits me well. And people referred to me that way. And I would wear a tie and like long sleeve, you know, part of the whole thing is don't judge a book by its cover. You know, some people come in and be like, oh, you don't have a lot of tattoos. It's like, I got leg tattoos. I joined the club. I'm very a part of the club. I've got sleeve. I just like, you know, the same thing about going above the neckline for your mom or whoever. That's a, a big one. It yeah. took me forever to go under the sleeve. <laughs> yeah no totally yeah people still look at you unfortunately that's the way it goes um the person who was technically my mentor um had full face tattoos um he was a refined or like person who had had a rough life and then come back from it but he had dagger tattoos under his eyes and um, his name was grumpy um, he passed away last year, unfortunately, shout out to him, but uh, <clears throat> he, he was the nicest dude and uh, he would, people, people would fucking like, we would go everywhere. Right. And pe a lot of people would talk to him and I've seen little ladies approaching like, why did you do that to your face? Sometimes I would think, damn, you got some, you got some gall to say that to somebody who looks like they could kill you. Like, cause he was a big dude and, and these tattoos were some of them were prison tattoos. He did look like a violent person. Um, and I said, that's a horrible thing to say. I know that, but stereotypically somebody who has their, their face and I'm, he had violent imagery. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, some of your like more tribal or hardcore stuff on his face, like directly and all over. So it's definitely there, but even me with just the leg sleeve equivalent is people still stare at me, um, and treat you a little bit differently, you know? You know, I, I find that to be very true on these days. Still true. But in the same aspect as the guy with the dagger, and I almost, I thought I was going to fight one day uh, in a tattoo shop because I asked this very same question that sweet old lady did. I was sitting there talking with the artist, and he, you know, again, I was waiting for my guy, you know what I mean? The owner of the fucking shop. And I'm sitting there talking to one of his employees fucking for three hours. Fucking, uh, turned out to be just a great guy, you know, all the way around. And he had a dagger right through here. And, yeah. uh, we're the I most like, plan out. Yeah. I, says, I was like, you're such a fucking awesome dude, man. Is the, is the dagger. I did. I said, I just don't see. You know, that side is the dagger like a shield 
You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, there's a few variances of people. Mine is. Mine are mine is definitely like an armor and a shield. Um, I'm in my mid thirties. Yeah. And I don't look like I'm in my mid thirties. And the place the places that I grew up have, like I mentioned earlier, have a lot of violence and stuff. I'll walk down, I'll go to any country at this point. I'm I'm multilingual, I speak multiple languages fluently. I don't care about whatever danger zone, but it is my armor. And I know people, some people will not fuck with you, right? Because you're like, oh, look at this guy. Very easy. Um the biggest part of it is we want our bodies just like I don't want to hate on people who have cosmetic surgery. Um, and when you get into body modifications in the tattoo world, there's piercings, right? And then you get into the extreme level of that of like um, hell, cutting earlobes, people who split their tongues, uh, like silicone injections under your skin and metal implants. Even dermal piercings are pretty intense because it's like a cap underneath it. Um, I saw somebody who did like all dermals and all their fingers. That was pretty cool, but just crazy. Um, everyone wants to see their body, how it is like how they want to see it. And um, just don't, I went up, it goes back to what I said about the critiquing is just don't like offend somebody about it. You can ask somebody about their artwork on their body, but just remember it's for them and they chose to have it on them. And you, it's, you don't have to live with it. You don't have to wear it. And it wasn't your choice to put it on your body. So just, you can talk to him. This past weekend, I, a friend of mine, kind of, uh, like I've gotten to know him. He has tattoos on his eyelids. And I just, I've never read him. And so I just asked him to his face. Like, and I was wearing my clothes on. He doesn't really know I ta- used to tattoo or anything. But I politely asked him. And he had no problem. So as long as you approach people and you're polite, it's cool. But um, yeah, just remember the only question I don't like about my tattoos are, how much? How much do you have into all that? Is oh, I just say like I don't like. That's why I go by cars. <laughs> like I told you, like, oh, are you wearing a used car? Are you wearing a new car? Are you wearing? Yeah, man, it's a it's an investment, and that's why I even bragged. Or yeah, I definitely bragged. I was like, yeah, I got a look at this giant snake I got for hundred and fifty bucks. Um, because that's a lot of ink, dude. For that price, it covers my basically one side of my entire calf plus it wraps five times it was only going to wrap three times and i said i'd pay you i paid the guy 30 bucks extra to do two more coils and he was like okay that was a rough tattoo um just because it was uh just because of the situation of where it was and i had to catch a plane and i wasn't on a table i was on the floor like a concrete floor it was yeah um but I'm fine to, I sit with tattoos fine and I would like to keep getting them, but they are expensive. And that was one thing I miss about working in the industry is all the free ink. Like I tell you what, man, like, especially as an apprentice, like let me tattoo you. Like it's cool when you start getting the free tattoos from people. Um, and you know, sometimes you'll do a favor for somebody in the shop and they'll pay you that way. <clears throat> or you can trade. It's really cool. Those are like, I think my favorite times when all the clients went there, because there's plenty of times where you're after the shop where you're, you're tattooing regulars. There's lots of regulars of the shop who are all homies, shout out to the regulars, like me and you, right? You're a regular for sure. But when it's just the artists, the artists are the last ones that get tattooed because we tattoo all day. So we don't want to fucking tattoo anymore. It's our job. And we don't, our schedules don't always match up and there's always shit to do. So to have that night when it's just the team 
whatever drinking and shit and, and tattooing little jammers or even doing full pieces like i saw somebody freehand my buddy was really good at freehanding and freehanded it was like fuck like 46 letters across my the other artist's chest and um only screwed up once and like only had to get rid of a section and then fixed it all like super sick piece and then it was all done um i've get to like witness cool shit like people getting their hands inside of all their hands done um yeah that's some painful shit there i've never I had like it to, uh, i know part of me is a checklist you have this like you're you're going down a checklist of, i'm a collector that's what people would re- i think people i think you might be a collector and i used to go yeah. to conventions because i collect from artists like i collect different artists and piece work and i also collect different styles um so I have like American, I have traditional, I have black and gray, I have whatever, whatever, whatever. I collect all of it. Well, I think you have mostly like black and gray work, right? You have some color, yeah, but, yeah. but like mostly, and I like black and gray. That's kind of what I want to do with like my arm the, now. Up the arm, I'm trying to, trying to mix. That's what I was going to do. And the- I was going to do, you have Metatron's Cube and you have the Seed of Life. And I wanted to do like a galaxy. I have scars on my shit I want to cover, but I wanted to do, I want to do a three quarter sleeve, but it like slowly tapers up from the call. Like, I don't know. It's very, I'm going to have a hand in designing it, but I don't want to have too heavy of a hand, but I do want to be able to provide the artist with, yeah, it's a fine line. I have to walk by. So I'm trying to like, design as much as I can to provide somebody with something so it's not as crazy I don't know I've mapped arms and that's something I like to do is draw directly on the skin I've always been a fan of like stencils are great and I do like stencils but even a stencil I'd like to still add uh, background effects and everything on your body you can't compare the flow of the body to just like drawing directly on it and matching it and I think that's the best way to do like tattoos <clears throat> man we have been doing like this say, a long sometimes time they don't sorry i didn't mean to say that necessarily hold around <laughs> oh it's true though i mean it's been a good episode um a couple of things before i don't know if you want to wrap it up or it's completely up to you no i mean i'm having a great time uh, and i think i could honestly ramble forever but uh to give everyone in chat and you and me both uh some sleep tonight and a good time. Plus, it's a good to just wrap it up in a box and make it neat. Right there. Right well, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, it's been a great conversation, man. Great time. And I, I'm glad we got to do this because I did get to meet you firsthand up at uh, Bigfoot Lodge, but uh, I didn't get a chance to have that sit down. Uh, we were here in kind of different areas. It was kind of neat, though, uh, to point out uh, all the different shows that were up there at uh, Bigfoot yeah. Lodge. Much respect to Care, the Michigan Rose Girl Show. And, and I think there's more we don't even know. The, yeah, the fucking uh, that drives a lot of these events is <laughs> you've probably noticed this too. Uh, we're guilty of sub subletting, I guess, a lot of these events. You know, Bigfoot might have been having the event, but, you know, we tend to make it our own. <laughs> oh, yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, I felt kind of underlined. <laughs> here. 
me that this one specifically, year. <laughs> it was like it was like everyone's friend. I kind of felt bad in a way. <clears throat> Whatever. I, I think that just needs to be established. Period. It, that get together just needs to happen. A social gathering of that magnitude. Period. Vending or not, I don't care. People just need to get together, like at a campsite somewhere. Whoever, and if people, if there's somebody who has like 100 acres or whatever, I'm sure plenty of people would camp. Um, but I'm sure there's also plenty of places that would um, rent to a group of people, yeah, to camp. Or we could all just go like you Rainbow. know into the wilderness. I'm thinking Rainbow Farms. That's by me, so I'm totally down. Bigfoot. Either one of those. That's what we're talking about. You know, not necessarily an event where vendors are, you know, that'd be cool. You know, I'm not opposed to that. Private event. But yeah. more or less just like a community community event where you just come and like like with music, art, you know, that type of shit. Just a you know, free flowing, you know. I think what everyone would really, love for the fans, I would love this is is it's cool to have music shows, but it would be really awesome. Like you said, there's so many shows there to have one day where it was a two hour panel in person where fans could like ask you shit in person. Maybe, I mean, that could be a ticking time bomb, right? <laughs> Some bullshit, but, and things can go wrong with weather and, and especially outdoors events like that. However, it, I don't know. That'd be really cool. I, when I sometimes when I calculate views, because I do deal with marketing and assets, I look at numbers on how many people are watching and shit like that. Is you're broadcasting to an audience of this big in a theater, you know, and then you're broadcasting to people in the stadium, and then you're fucking like national, and then international, um, and then cosmic. Um, so it's, but I I think it'd be cool to have everyone there to just. Or, to, like, there was impromptu shows. Like, I don't know if it was going to happen shows, but it, it'd be cool if there was, like, a media tent that was set up just to allow people to have a show there and, and all the shows shared it. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, you're on from this time and, like, okay, the other show will go. But somewhere where rain or shine and equipment's there and, and everyone is, is taken care of. Yeah. I don't know. Because well, it all it all overlaps. Be possibility. Because uh, like the, the last time we were there, I did, I talked to uh, George and them about that. Yeah. They were still that because I did. I went live both nights from from there and broadcast. You can look it up. Uh, it's Bigfoot Lodge on my show. It's Weed Nerd World Bigfoot Lodge episode. I watched it. Where I put. I just showed. Did you? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I came. And back I told them I, I, I did it. Out. They were like, yeah. "Hell yeah!" I watched the recap. I mean, Sorry, I, didn't. I didn't sit and watch like all four hours, but I do work so much, like art wise. That, that I, I that's why I'm I'm here and I know about all the podcasts. I like education, so I'm in it growing. But I also I listen to a lot of things while I work. Um, I don't watch it. I listen generally. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was great. I, it was. Yeah, your guys, especially, you guys did it for, like, hours. Um, both nights, I think, um, which is awesome. Because it really does allow people to be there, in a way. Um, I wouldn't have done it if it wouldn't have been for uh, Johnny Green Thumb 710, because uh, I I know when I get to the events, man, I'm, I put so much time 
being on camera. When I'm there, oh. I'm like, other than the highs, you know what I mean? To yeah. do a show like that or whatever, I'm like, get that out of here. You're on vacation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I try. So I honestly try and work Monday to Friday. That's how I space out my time for my design work. And I try and take the weekends off. I, I, I honestly, I don't work. That's when I do my personal art and I do whatever the fuck I want. I need to have some form of balance. Um, but yeah, going to an event and then working, I, I, have, I don't necessarily want to talk about art. A couple, an hour before I came on the show, I was like, I don't even want to talk about art. <laughs> um, just because I've been working all day and I got to work all day tomorrow and it's what I do all the time. But it is my passion. I love it. And I want to talk about it. And I'm going to jump, jump at any opportunity that I can. Some advice that I heard a long time ago, because I said I dealt with anxiety, is I used to be nervous and I was a no person. I would always say like no or maybe later. So I started saying yes to a lot of things. Um, and I also replaced the word in my own thought process. I don't say I'm nervous. I don't say I'm anxious. I say I'm excited because they're very close to the similar emotion or butterfly in your stomach feeling. And um, instead of trying in my brain, thinking it as, as a negative, I try and think of it as a positive just by changing the vocabulary. It's like a self-training is the weird is. And, it, and it's helped, you know? So I'm just going to leave that tidbit there. Um, yeah. And now I'm just excited to do everything. So I could probably drag you out all night long, but obviously you do need some reds. And, uh, well, you seem to have some fun talking about that art tonight. Uh, hopefully it's fun. Oh, I loved it, dude. Uh, and I'm an insomniac. Like I had, and I drank coffee. I uh, prepped up. I took a little nap before the show and I warmed up a cup of coffee. So I'm good. I'm buzzing. It, it's been a real fun time. I was, like I said, um, before we started show, uh, broadcasting, I was super nervous um and you've been a great host and it's uh, been great talking to you and i look forward to talking to you again at events because we like you said we didn't have a chance to have that one-on-one -on -one. and now it's a whole nother ball game you know what i'm saying um i'm gonna be by the campfire for sure uh yeah thank you so much and thanks everyone in chat i can't thank you guys enough um the love and the community is beyond what i've ever expected and it's, it's very overwhelming in a, in a positive way and um I send, I hopefully return it back to you. Three things before we go. One, uh, make sure and get your Instagrams and uh, social medias out there. So if they need to get a hold of you for anything, they can. Uh, sweet. Yeah. The best way to get a hold of me is uh, Astro Charlie. It's underscore Astro Charlie underscore um, on Instagram. Currently, that's the best way. Um, and in the future it'll change but that's the best way yep uh, the next thing would be to go over the fact that uh, the invitation that I sent you tonight is the invitation that will work for you for the nerd world please keep that you're always welcome anytime you see it in the title please don't even hesitate you don't need an invitation you just gotta want to come fucking hang out you're I greatly appreciate it. I know everybody else would like to hang out with you and smoke. You know, and it is. It I'll once, definitely once stop you by, see man. that face, I'll it definitely does, swing by. It does. 
it does change everything. So hopefully you will. Uh, yeah. And the last thing that I'd like to get from you is, of course, uh, oh, yeah, I can do it on the cloud, <laughs> is that sound bite. Uh, basically, hopefully you know what the sound bite is. If not, then I'll go over with it. You're muted. Can you refresh me real quick? Sorry. I don't want to get it wrong. This is where yeah, I get, like, basically what I'm looking for. My version is, hey, this is Eagle, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 599. You put whatever you want before, after that, as long as that's in the body somewhere. I'm happy. You got something big coming up for 600? Um, <laughs> someone. <laughs> okay, that's cool. I didn't know if I needed to like drum roll some shit into it. Um, Okay, cool. All right. This is Astro Charlie on fucking talking shit with Eagle, and it's been beyond a wonderful time. I hope that you've enjoyed it, and I look forward to seeing you in person and talking to you, and I hope that you have a great night, day, or evening. Thank you, my friend. Uh, not only for letting me get to know you a little bit better, but uh, buying the community another night of hanging out and talking, and letting them as well get to know you a little bit better so have a great evening uh until i see you again i wish you all the best the best success and uh all that good stuff and uh, thank you for your time oh yeah thank you guys with that being said uh hopefully you guys know the deal if you want to empty your bladder fill your tray i will see you in the weed nerd world for a short short edition i guess it's almost three now but i will walk you down to the 420 episode of the weed nerd world with that being said hopefully you know what to do do something nice for somebody random acts of kindness do save lives so simple compliments doors do you need a hand with that to your car can i help you with that lumber do you need some cannabis phone calls are you okay all the above. With that being said, I am out of here. Thank you guys for your time. Hopefully, I will see you in the world. I am out of here. Thanks.